0: Hey guys, welcome to Treat Up Podcast with hosts Kevin Atwood and Stephen Skaggs, brought to you by Wild Leg Productions. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning back in to Treat Up Podcast. This week, we're going to sit down and talk with Mr. John Saunders. He was uh, gracious enough to be on the show. And John, if you could, real quick, just let everybody know who we're talking to.
1: Okay, my name is John Saunders. Uh, I live in in Potosi, Missouri. I'm 47 years old. I've lived here all my life in the the hills. Uh, I'm in the Mark Twain National Forest here in the Ozark Mountains. So I'm in a kind of a, a, a pretty rough part of the country. Uh, A lot of timber. Uh, We're not in the the agricultural portion of Missouri, so just all pretty well timber where we're at here, Kevin.
0: Yeah, now I think we talked a little bit the other night. If I remember correctly, it's not exactly all the timber that you really need for the squirrel population, is it?
1: You know, our squirrels here, they come and go. There's times when squirrels are really, really thick here and times when they're thin. Uh, They kind of migrate in and out of here. Ah, uh, because we don't have, like I said, there's there's no fields to hold them. They don't grow any corn or anything around here. So you're all subject to the to the acorn crop. Yeah. Uh, for the for the population of your squirrels.
0: Well, that kind of leads me into my first question there. If you if you don't mind me asking, talking about squirrel population, and this year you may or may not have any many squirrels. But uh, do you think that maybe the lack of squirrels sometime will benefit training a pup, especially if you've got one that's got a more of a nose and make him hunt harder? Or would you rather see the the overpopulation in there?
1: I think it depends on what stage that pup's in. You know, I think you you have to take a dog as as that dog's progressing. And I guess if you if you break it down from the from the very first, I want to put that dog in as good a situation as I can when he's very first starting. So I'd say an overpopulation of squirrels, or that dog gets the opportunity to to see a bunch of squirrels and catch that right one, mm-hmm. uh, the one that that triggers him. Uh, a lot of dogs do things a, a little faster than others. Some it doesn't take very many. Uh, Another ones takes a few. But if you were going to start a dog from the very beginning, I would way rather deal with with way more squirrels. Now, as that dog progresses, I think you have to you have to change things up. If you get that dog out of the box and he only has to go twenty feet before he hits a squirrel, mm-hmm. it's not going to be long. He's going to think, "Well, I don't have to go any further than that." Yeah. So I think if you're if you're trying to get a dog. To get out and really drive in there and hustle uh you got to mix that up you know you got to mm-hmm. make it challenging for him but i think with any of these pups my biggest thing with a young dog is of any stage until they get past the point that you're you're trying to make it more challenging for them is is make it make it where it's successful for them where they're enjoying it quit on a good note but make it where that dog has had success mm-hmm. uh, i think it's like a, i think it's like a young kid or anything else Uh, even if they're doing something that they want to do if they don't have any success at it they're not going to have they're not going to put everything into it oh yeah uh, like they would if you if you were training a few squirrels and killing them to them Mm -hmm. i know through the years we've had times when there was when the squirrel population was thin it's a lot rougher to start a dog oh it is because you, you you can't put him in that situation you know especially one that is uh, maybe not as fired up as, as the other one was. You take a dog mm-hmm. that's got a lot of fire, wants to get in there and find something, he can make his own success. But you take one that, that's maybe a little slower starting, he needs he needs more motivation. And, oh, yeah. and motivation is, is more squirrels. You oh, know? yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I, my my little dog, of course, I talk about it about every episode, but I've been taking him to an area that's absolutely overrun with squirrels i mean we're talking there's no way you're going to go and not see squirrels as a matter of fact they, they're jumping out of the trees around you and of course uh-huh. it's a no hunting area but you can run your dogs in there so you know i thought i'm going to take you to a different location and just see how you do so i took him to a, a part of the the public land that is it's got a lot of pine on it just a lot of pine trees it's almost uh acres of pine thickets and I didn't see I didn't see any squirrels at all. Actually, I think I seen one timber out up ahead of us, but uh, I noticed him doing something I've never noticed him doing before, and I only was able to see it when he was in with sight of me a few times. But he would uh, he was really having a hard time finding any squirrels. He made four or five trees, and that were good. But what I would watch him do when he was out ahead of me was really smell up on the tree and kind of look around and. If he couldn't find nothing else, he would just bark on that tree. Mm-hmm. It was like he couldn't find nothing else, so I'm just going to tree here. And okay. the problem I had with that is I didn't know whether to say no, let's let's move on, or encourage him. So what I ended up doing was I would kind of let him bark there a few minutes, then I would leash him up and just take him away from the tree. Mm-hmm. I didn't find the squirrel, didn't see a squirrel, but uh, I felt like at that moment he thought, well, man, I just need to get treed.
1: Well, I think a lot of times you take a dog that's starting to advance, you know, and I, th- you and I talked about that dog and the dogs train a lot of squirrels for you, mm-hmm. uh, but he's, he's he's still a young dog and he's starting to advance. And I think a lot of times those dogs get to the point, whether it be a coon dog or, or a squirrel dog, they've done all they can and they're trying to finish that track. Mm-hmm. You know, that may be the last spot to eat that he smelled that squirrel the hottest. Uh, okay. You know, that squirrel may, may have jumped up there and that may have been the, the, the last tree that that squirrel went up. You know, and now another thing is this time of the year when them squirrels are cutting, a lot of times they're, they're just now starting to get back on the ground mm-hmm. because they've been cutting hickory nuts so long. So, you know, that squirrel may go up one tree and he may feed way out away from that tree just going through the tops. Mm-hmm. So you take a young dog, he's not used to that, especially a first season dog mm-hmm. that's, that, that's just getting started. You know, he has no track to run on the ground. Uh, and a lot depends on what the dog is. You know, there's dogs that, that treat strictly by sight and then mm-hmm. there's, uh, dogs that, that sight and sound dogs. And then there's dogs that, that track, mm-hmm. uh, and you take a dog that wants to track. Well, that may be the last place that he has a, a noticeable scent on that tree. And he picks him out a tree and he trees True. for me. That's what I'm looking for.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I want that dog. If, if there's enough track there to move, I want him to finish that, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think there, again, you, you don't want to do too much of that with a dog at that stage, mm-hmm. but a little bit's not bad at all because that when you do find that squirrel, that dog's had to look for that squirrel or coon, or coon either way. You know, if you constantly hunt that dog where, where coons are just running over each other and they're thick, he doesn't have to go far to get struck. So he, these things, they're repetitious. Everything yeah. that we teach them is through repetition. Uh, and if every time he gets out, like I say, he makes a twenty yard circle out of the dog box and strikes a track, mm-hmm. runs hot down through there in trees and trees in sixty yards, that's what he expects. Exactly. So you take him and dump him somewhere squirrels or coons either one or thin, it changes his whole his whole way of, of doing things. You know, yeah. what he's known up until that point is is just hitting hot game and getting treated real quick. So yeah. I don't have any problem putting one work game's thin. Uh, it, at times, you know, now when you start to see his confidence back up, he needs another confidence booster. Mm-hmm. Take him and take him and put him where squirrels is thick and kill a few squirrels. But that, that's just the, kind of the way I look at it. I, I think everything comes in stages. You sh- I sure wouldn't want to do that to a just beginning to be started dog. Yep. You know, he that dog needs to he needs to be able to to treat some squirrels and be pretty good at it before I'd want to dump one where they was real thin. Just try yep. to make try to do everything you can to make his chances better.
0: Yeah. I'm assuming from, you know, my perspective that these techniques we're talking about, especially what we've just mentioned, a lot of people think this is just maybe for a competition dog, but this is the same if you want a good pleasure dog.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that when you go to talking about pups, especially, and I like early starting puppies, I've just had great success with early starting puppies Mm -hmm. for several years. And I think for me, those early starting puppies, for one thing, they... They excite you. So you want to spend some time with that puppy. Oh, yeah. uh, and you hear a lot of, you hear a lot of people say, well, those early starters, they, they just don't make. And I don't think that, I don't think it's that those dogs fizzle out and they quit. I think what happens is we, as as hunters, we're eager, you know, especially when we got a young dog, we want to show him off. Mm-hmm. We want to, we want to have him out there and, and see him advance. Well, he can only take so much pressure. And I think what happens with these young dogs that start really, really quick, these super early starters, we put so much pressure on them that they can't take it. I think you have to really take that slow with that. I, you know, I compare them to a kid. You know, you, you, you couldn't take a um, kid that's, that's just starting to play Little League, even if he's the best on his team. You can't take him and put him with the high school players mm-hmm. playing ball. It's not the same. He can't physically take that pressure. These puppies are just softer, even the even the most advanced one. He's still a pup. And I think that sometimes we lose sight of actually what he is. He may be five months old and be where he can treat some easy squirrels. But I don't think that that is... That doesn't mean if you need to take him and hunt him for six hours on Saturday morning Mm -hmm. and just hunt his guts out. You know, you can't do that with him. There again, I think that when I've got a dog like that, uh, if I take that dog out and I see him make a real good tree, I'm able to knock that squirrel out. We pack him up and we go home. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, you know, a lot of times with these puppies, there's so much... That goes into the, the preparation to get that pup ready to go to the timber. And I think a lot of people really miss out on that portion of it. You know, you see a guy say, well, you know, I, my dog's eight months old and he, he doesn't do anything. You know, and, and and when you go with them, when they get ready to get the dog out of the box, well, the, the dog's sick in the box. He's he's puked, he's slobbered, he's sick to his stomach. That'd be just like you, you being sick with the flu, and, and somebody pulling you out and saying, "All right, let's get it." Yeah. Uh, that dog is not that dog not ready to perform at his best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like I said, if he's not, you can't get the best out of him. I take I take my puppies, even as little bitty puppies, they're riding in the box from the time they're. They're pups at weaning age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I take him I make. I make short trips. Uh, I haul them in an open box. Like I say, short trips back and forth. They don't seem to be as claustrophobic, and that that pup gets acclimated to that. You yeah. know, if if every time you went to do something, even if it was going to be real fun for you, if you got sick on the way out there, that's not going to be fun anymore. Oh no, you know he's gonna. He's going to look at that, and this makes me sick, and then I go to the woods, so it's not fun for him. think like that's a big thing. You yeah. know, get these pups acclimated to being hauled.
0: We just ran into that with the – well, I talked to you the other night about uh, Stephen losing the pup. It, it got away from him, and, of course, it, uh-huh. it came back. He got it, but, uh, you know, he was kind of excited maybe to try this dog out in the woods, but when we put it in the dog box and just hauled it home – uh, when we yep. got that pup out, I mean, it, it had never been in a dog box. It had done through up. It yep. was so sick. And, you know, and that's yep. what he said, you know, we've just got to put her up. She's, she, you know, there's no way she feels like doing anything right now. You yes. know, when they're when yep. they're like that, that's no time to start training
1: them or messing no. with them. No, no. Cause you want that pup to associate everything you're doing at this stage with fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I get hauled out here when he dumps me out. It's a, it's a fun time. Uh, if, if he's sick to his stomach. That's not, he's not going to associate that with that. You know, I, I think when we talked about it a little bit, the other evening, you know, things just as simple as, as having that dog broke to lead and tie, uh, you know, when, when you get to the tree, especially now when the leaves are on, you're going to take a while to find the squirrel. If you've got a pup that's never been tied and you tie him up, what's he do every time they flip and flop Mm. and twist so that uh, he's going to associate that with something bad you know, and there again, those are things that we could have fixed at the house before we take them, yeah. you know, and it's going to, it's going to add to your success. you got enough things that are going to happen out there beyond our control, <laughs> uh, to, to make your hunt go bad. Absolutely. You know, anything, anything we can do on our end to fix that and, and set him up for success, uh, anything that we can do on that front end, and, and anything that you do with that puppy, I don't care what it is. If that puppy's just riding around with you, mm-hmm. that pup's getting something out of that. You know, shooting around the dogs. Uh, I live in a subdivision. I can't be out here shooting around puppies all the time. Mm-hmm. But you can you can bang and make noise and beat pans and, and start those things off when they're little bitty puppies like that. Let's face it, if a, if a dog's never been shot around, never tied, never hauled, and you do all those three things in the same day. Mm-hmm and then wonder why he, I wonder why he didn't perform. Yeah. Well, he's just had a, a whole, uh, a whole gauntlet of things that mm-hmm. he's, <laughs> he's thrown whole, at him that he's to at him. To face. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I've even talked to a guy one time who would take his, uh, and these may have been Beagle, but, uh, you know, he said he would put, he uh, would put, just play with them with, uh, like, uh, maybe aluminum cans or water bottles with rocks at them and throw them around. And uh-huh. this is when they're really young pups. Just let them get used to some noise. And they learn to go to it and, you know, be curious about it rather than run away from it.
1: Yes. I know with my puppies, I start, when they start to get big enough to eat, I start to make noise around them while they're eating. Mm-hmm. You know, and then a lot of times they associate that with, with feed. You know, you can be banging uh, metal pans together and you can make a lot of racket with them oh yeah uh the, those puppies associate that with feed time you know you can see the, the little fellers come out of their box and their tails are wagging and they're happy and you're beating pans and making noise and they're they're going to eat there mm-hmm. again it's repetition those puffs those puffs are associating that with with something fun and, and mm-hmm. you just transition that from the from dog kennel to the yard to the pickup to the woods yeah and like I say you got to you got enough things that are going to go wrong out there that are out of our control. Mm-hmm. Anything that we can do on our end it pays off huge. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I think I even heard it was an old interview with Tim Cosby, but he mentioned you know, when he was playing with them. I think uh you know kind of make it an entertaining thing, but he would start off with uh, two pieces of tuba four. Just kind of uh-huh. clacking them together and get a little louder as he went. Yep. You know, you don't get, yep. that that makes yep. that'll make a pretty big noise when you start going pretty hard yes. with it. So, and again yep. you're not shooting yep. but you're getting them kind of tuned in to what's going on, which actually we talked about something else, and that'll lead me into this question real quick. And I've talked about the dog I had before named Cy. And, boy, I wish I could have him back when he was a pup, knowing what I know now with the information in front of me, because I think he would have turned out to be a whole lot different dog. But so many of the habits, I think, and the punishment that we give to dogs sometimes is brought on by handler error. You know, I think it's made, we create mistakes or we create bad habits just by not knowing what, you know, the right thing to do in the beginning to not let this take place. Yeah. And I think, I I think that's a big part of it.
1: Yeah. There's no doubt about it. You know, and and this is something that it's, it's repetition for the dog and it's repetition for us as, as handlers and and dog trainers, everything is not the same. There's no cookie cutter way to do this and say, Mm -hmm. all right, I did this. 20 years ago and it worked with this pup and I'm going to try it now and it, it's going to work exactly the same with this pup. Now I may use some of the same, the same principles, mm-hmm. but a lot of uh, these dogs, even dogs in the same litter, they may react to things completely different. I, I think it's no different than, than kids. I got two girls and they, they both react to things different. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just their personalities. And these dogs are the same way. And I think we is as handlers, especially somebody that's just getting started. They hear somebody say something, and they take that to be the absolute truth. Mm-hmm. And for them, it is because that's that's what they've been told. Well, it may it may have very well worked on the person that's giving you that information. Yeah. It may have worked on his dog perfect. Your dog may not have that kind of personality. And I think that there's where the the errors come into this. Yeah. And I'll be the first one to say it. I have ruined more dogs through my lifetime than than anybody could count. There's yeah. no doubt about that. And I think that you do that you do that as you're as you're learning this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was really lucky when I started, like say I'm forty seven years old and I've been around pounds. Since I can remember, I don't remember not having a hound. I got to grow up around some really good dog men. My father and, and a lot of people around here, they, they hunted hounds, competition coon hounds. Mm-hmm. But uh, I grew up in a, in a coon club. My father was the was a president of the coon club, master of hounds, bench show judge. So, I mean, we did this stuff all the time. So, I was lucky enough to be around some really good dog men that helped me along the way. And I'm grateful for that I think especially years ago before before shocking and systems and garments
2: mm-hmm.
1: you had to do you had to do things different you had to approach them different and I think that the dogs or the dogs were different and and so was the way that they were trained watching people and seeing those people you know you could see somebody making some errors and a lot of these guys would share that information with you and say hey don't don't quite do that this way uh, because you may have a May have a negative reaction instead of a positive reaction. Try this, Mm -hmm. but like I say, even now, uh, whether you're talking about dogs of the dogs of the past or dogs now, every puppy's not going to be the same. You know, like I say, it's just there's no cookie cutter way to do it. And I think for me, that's the that's the most intriguing part of this whole thing: trying to figure out what it is that you need to do to make this one get to, to his fullest potential. Yeah, you know, whether they're uh, whether it whether it be a coon dog or school dog or any dog for that matter, uh, is to just try to get his fullest potential. Uh, and like I say, you can't do it the same way. It's it's not going to work for this dog the way that it worked for for that dog or another dog that you're going to have later on. Oh no, got to try some of the same things, but figure it out. You know, dog by dog.
0: Oh yeah, and I think dogs have changed so much over the years, at least from my small perspective of me starting out hunting feist dogs when years ago, and I've talked about this before, but, and I think a lot of that, it's a a lot of things. I think it's education for the hunters and like you said, the tracking collars and things we have now to help us along the way, but these dogs have a lot of pressure put on them now. Just pleasure hunting in general. And then also with these competition hunts, man, these cash prizes that some of these dogs are winning now is, is unbelievable, but the pressure to get that and get to that level is, is, I think it's helped the breeding aspect and I think people you hear it all the time you know you breed to get the better dog and so I think that that that's helped it so much but you know the pressure I think nowadays is so much different than it was back then I I can't say I don't know that necessarily the dogs are any better because if we'd have had the technology back then that we have today you know I don't know how that would balance out but some of these dogs today are just crazy good which will lead me into this Tell us about what you're hunting. I'm seeing your dogs on Facebook, and they look great. They look like the model <laughs> squirrel dog. You've got some impressive-looking dogs. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about you. what's in your kennel right now.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. The dogs that I've got all are all pretty well uh, from the same family of dogs. Years years, and years ago, uh, Doyle Sherman uh, had a dog that he called Jammin' Bo. Uh <clears throat> And Jammin' Bow was a tree and uh, half walker dog half cur dog and Bo was Bo came along at a time where these treeing curds that just wasn't what was in fashion then every the, the world was dominated by by mountain curs and these omcba cur dogs uh and and let me back up even just a little bit before Bo. i i was hunting cur dogs then uh, after i i got uh, done hunting the, the hounds i went over and was was hunting some cur dogs And cur dogs back then, there would be, if you pulled up to a hunt and there was 60 dogs there, there was maybe a half a dozen of those dogs that were capable of winning that hunt. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of these dogs would tree. I'm not saying that they wouldn't tree squirrels, but they couldn't take the pressure that it took to win these hunts, especially by today's standards. You know, those dogs... Uh, a lot of those dogs couldn't take the the tree pressure. They weren't as independent, and that was with the hounds also. That was that was with both of those. Back then, there, the independence wasn't there like there is now. Yeah, uh, you know, if you had if you had to cast the hounds, a lot of times they treed together, uh, especially in my part of the country. Uh, there's not a lot of coons, so when you turn a dog loose you know, you, you had, uh, all the dogs were on the same track and it was more of a treeing contest. Mm-hmm. You know, those dogs would all come treed within just seconds of each other. People mm-hmm. were trying to, trying to get their dog declared treed, you know, right on top of each other. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of the same thing with the squirrel dogs. These dogs would, a lot of times you'd see, you know, if you had a three dog cast, there'd be three dogs on the same tree. And that's something that you just don't see now, Yeah, but as, as they went to as the dogs went to advancing, the cur dogs and, and and everything in between, the Curs, the hounds and, and everybody was was kind of moving forward. And I think a lot of it was driven by competition hunts. You know, because like you say the the prizes started changing. You know, back then it was it was just for a thirty dollar plaque. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the prestige. You know, and there was a there was a lot of people that had a squirrel dog, but when you put him in those when you put him in that environment, you know, it's, it's a high pressure environment for both the dog and the handler, everything. You've got guys that are, that are punching stopwatches, you know, and the you're trying to keep up with those scores and it just adds a ton of pressure. But those dogs back then, I don't think that they were the caliber of dogs that we have now. And I think a lot of it is the breeding. Mm-hmm. We've bred two dogs that, that, uh, tree harder they're way more independent than they ever were you know and I can remember that's kind of how I came up with the, with the dogs that we've got now as things were starting to progress you you were seeing people starting to cross these dogs up and Doyle Sherman was one of the first ones and he had the like I say the jamming bow dog and the bow dog would would just go in there and get hooked and stay hooked and do what he was supposed to do more of an independent dog. And that was what I was looking for coming from the hound side. So I took a I took a Mountain Curve female that I had and I bred to a, a Walker dog that's that uh, the name was Flat Rock Thrasher. And Thrasher had actually won several, several things. He was the first dog to win sixty thousand in PKC money oh, wow. back years ago. When sixty thousand was it was hard to win. Now there's dogs that have far surpassed that in in money earnings. But back then, uh, he won both baby stakes in the faturity, you know, as a, as a year old, two year old and one. So there was, he was one of the first of of that group of dogs to do that. Uh, and he was a very, very independent dog, a uh, dog that was a deep and lonely type dog, we call him now. We bred him to a, to a Mountain Curve female, and then we ended up crossing those dogs back on these bow-bred dogs. And I'm still hunting today those dogs that are bred that same way. So that's kind of where where that started but but back then like i say those dogs weren't worth the money they weren't worth a quarter of what a mountain cur was worth mm-hmm. uh, because, they, because they were tree and curse they, they just weren't in fashion yeah. now it's it's it now it's changed and and that's not it's not looked at like that you know they're worth just as much as anything else is and, and i think right now nobody cares what it is at this point if you can win <laughs> and win that money prize money's got so high they don't care they, they want him to get in there and do his job. I think like you said, what has drove that is the the want to win these hunts. Oh, and yeah. seeing that if you've got a dog that doesn't get in there and stay hooked, you know, and he can't take that pressure, it might cost, you know, in some of these coon hunts. There's some of these pay a hundred thousand dollars. Oh yeah. They'll have a sixty five they'll have a sixty five hundred dollar entry fee. So you want to know that, that dog has got every bit of consistency that you can count on. Mm-hmm. or you wouldn't be there. And I think now that's the big dividing factor. You know, 25 years ago when you pulled up to a hunt, there was a lot of people that were there to have a good time and have good fellowship, and, and, and there's still a place for that. And mm-hmm. I think that's the great thing about what we do. Yeah. There's still a spot for people that want to do that, or you can jump in here and and go on the, on the opposite end of this thing, pay these entry fees, and have the chance to hunt for some big money. Yeah. But you take a hunt where where the entry fee's $500. Everybody that's there thinks they got a good shot of winning or they wouldn't be there. You know, in the dogs, it comes down to just the, the luck fall in your direction because most of these dogs are all capable of winning at that level, mm-hmm. whether they be hounds or cur dogs. You know, they're, they're all very consistent. They've got good handlers. These people are, a lot of people are doing this for a living, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it, if that's your living, that changes things a lot too. I don't think, you, especially on the squirrel side of things, I don't think you saw the the people that that spent that much money on it and chased this thing like they do now because there wasn't the money wasn't there at that yeah. time. Now it is, you know, through USD, uh, USDC and and NSD, uh, and I think it's a great thing. I yeah. think the dogs are are way more consistent in what you can get. You know, back twenty five years ago. If you got a, if you went and got a mountain curve, your chances of getting one and, and you know, you're going to, you're going to hear people say, oh, I had, I had super luck with this line and this line. And that's great. I'm not discounting anybody's dogs. Mm -hmm. For me, I just didn't see any consistency with them. You know, uh, I mean, now after they got up to, to some different dogs that were bred into the mountain curve, there just wasn't the consistency. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there started to be some, and now it's very consistent. Yeah, you know, you you take a lot of people. Look at how many people are are first time squirrel dog owners, and yes. they get a dog that can, that that they get a dog that they can get where he trees squirrels. You know, it wasn't like that then. I mean, mm-hmm. that you you would have to go through a pile of dogs to find one that would tree, mm-hmm. and then you had to go through a, a a lot more to find one that was competitive. For me, I think there's a huge difference in a dog that is a is a squirrel dog and, and a dog that is super competitive. Now, I, I'm not one that thinks that, I think so many people believe that if you've got a dog that is able to win these competition hunts, that he's not a good squirrel dog. These dogs tree squirrels and they tree a lot of squirrels, mm-hmm. but they do things different. It's a different style. But I think there there's a there's a fallacy that these high-end competition dogs, as people like to refer to them, that, that they don't tree squirrels. Well, it's not like that. I like to kill squirrels. Uh, I like to fill a tailgate full of squirrels and have a good hunt, just like anybody else does. Hmm. And if I didn't have a dog that, that couldn't produce the produce squirrels like that, I wouldn't hunt one like that. But I still want one that's got this big motor that drives in there and gets treated. And I think that's the big difference in the two.
0: I talked. We talked about that a little bit on the phone the other night. You know, I say it every episode. People probably get tired of hearing it, but I'm a I'm a pleasure hunter. But I will credit. A lot of the breeding and I may be wrong about this. I hope people don't crucify me, but you know, I think I credit a lot of that, the breeding over the years to the competition hunters, because these are the guys that were really out there with the money on the line thinking, you know, this is what I need to change in this dog. I need to breed for this. You know, this dog yes. beat me yes. because he did this and my dog didn't. And those were the guys I'm sure that was really picking apart what was happening on the tree and in the wood. Whereas the pleasure hunters, I know me personally um, for years, especially when I was younger, if I had a dog that left the tree, I just thought I had a dog that left the tree. And I, if I, if I wanted to change that, I needed to get a different dog, you know, mm-hmm. or if I had yes. a dog that didn't bark mm-hmm. hard on the tree, I didn't think you know, that's probably something I can't change. A number mm-hmm. of things. I just, I didn't really pick that dog apart and think, well, I need to, I can fix this or I can fix that through breeding because I, I didn't have anything on the line per se, other than my time in the wood hunting with a dog. But yes. I'm sure there's pleasure hunters out there that obviously that did breed for that and I, I, I know for a fact there is but uh, i think the yes, competition yes. pressure really put that on there too as well
1: i think so you know I, I think there's a lot of good pleasure hunters that have had dogs through the years that have got a, a solid breeding program and they and they got a solid successful breeding program mm-hmm. that's probably the best way to put it you know and i think though you'll you see those people but i think is it as a group um the competition hunters you know, when you get to the point that you you stop being colorblind mm-hmm. and you see what somebody else has got that you need in your in your own dogs. I know for me, I'm harder on my dogs than I am on anybody else. I'm picking mine apart. You know, from the time they start to the time that, that they either become successful or I sell them or whatever happens. You know, I'm, I'm constantly training that dog. If I've got a dog that's six years old and he makes a mistake, I'm going to try to stop that mistake immediately. And I think that when you, when you say pleasure hunting, that's got a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people. Now, oh, yeah. for me, it is very pleasurable, Kevin, to have one blow in there and get treat, sit there, sit there and listen to him treat. Mm -hmm. uh, And you don't have a worry in the world about him leaving. And he may be in there, he may be in there 900 yards if there's no squirrels. That's pleasurable for me. Mm -hmm. You know, now somebody else might think, oh my gosh, there's no way I wouldn't give you five cents for a dog like that. Mm -hmm. But I think that as far as the competition aspect, those are the dogs that that win consistently is those dogs that uh, they don't have a, they don't have much of a, of a reverse on them. You know yes. they're getting in there, they're going in there, and they're getting treed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a lot of downtime for those high end dogs uh, because there can't be. You get to a point where you're you know you're hunting overtime, you know, and you got just minutes for that dog to do something. You can't afford for him to have any downtime. Yeah, he needs to be hustling all the time. Now I'm not saying that you have to have a dog like that to kill squirrels with, but there again, it's it's what it what do you define as pleasurable? Now I still want to go in there if I make several trees, I need to be killing a few squirrels. Mm-hmm. But I think the difference is these dogs, my boondog, for instance, it, you can dump him when it's when it's cold, wind's blowing, he's gonna go make a tree. Mm-hmm. Now there's a there's a lot of other dogs that you could tree sacks full of squirrels with that in those conditions, they may not hunt hard enough or get deep enough to tree squirrels like that. And I hear people say, well, you know, I got a dog that uh, the tree squirrels all the time. I think he could compete at that, at that level. You no, know, bring them and see. You know, mm-hmm. there are some dogs that can, but I think that it has, like you, like you said, when we started uh, the conversation, it has made better dogs, consistent dogs, dogs that are what I would call more natural. There's a lot of dogs, you know, that back several years ago if somebody had a dog that that started training at 8 months old we thought man that is that's a super early starter and mm-hmm. it still is yes but you look down and see the dogs that are starting to try to tree you know and I was telling somebody the other day I don't think at all that if a dog's 4 months old and he trees on a hang up that that means he's going to be a, that he's going to be a great pup that just means that, that dog has some some natural ability he wants to treat, and and it's it hasn't been that many years back when dogs just there, there wasn't a, a huge number of dogs that that treat early, you yes. know, or that treat at all in the in the cur dog world, you know, and through through the breeding and 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 I'm a big I'm a big supporter across them on hounds, uh, yeah, you know, everything I got is at least half hound, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes more than that, mm-hmm. and it comes with its own set of of different things that you deal with, you know, the, the line of dogs that I've got, you know, you hear people say all the time, uh, you know, I got a, I got a cur dog that uh, he'd bump a deer, you know, but he did it like a cur dog. He would, he'd run it a hundred yards and, and come back. Mm-hmm. The line of dogs that I've got and, and raised, these dogs are junky. They are super, super junky when they're mm-hmm. young. Uh, when, when they jump a deer, you got to catch them off of it. <laughs> you have to, you have to catch them somewhere through the country. Oh wow. uh, But they but they want a tree early. So for me, that's not a that's not a problem. Yeah. You know, I want one that's 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 really gamey, that that wants to make something happen. But there again, it's back to that not a lot of downtime. I want one that's hustling, mm-hmm. moving, you know, and now with these garments, you know, you can see so much oh, with what that dog's doing. Yes. You can see how fast he's moving, how much hustle he's got. You know, and in years gone by, you couldn't do that. You know, if that dog was gone, you didn't really know if he was gone 100 yards or 800 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, if he was out of your sight and you had those old those old style tracking systems, unless you saw him, you didn't know. No. Well, now with these garments, you, you can see where he's at. Uh, and if you're hunting one at night, you turn that light on, that's a giveaway. Now mm-hmm. you can, you can see just exactly how fast he's moving or not.
0: I have a dog truck. And of course I have a Feist, uh-huh. but he hunts uh-huh. out sometimes 600 yards or, or, or yes. even he's got a seven and he out hunts his mouth. So if it wasn't for yes. that, I wouldn't even know he was treed. The Absolutely. lack of my hearing is part of that too. But, but yeah, yeah. that, those yeah. things are just, you know, I wouldn't go in the woods without it.
1: Oh no. You know, and I can remember as a kid. You know nobody had those i remember the very first one that we had um i mean it took forever to get where we could track dogs with it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, you know it was it was one of the first ones you know by the time you would get it out and put it together then you would hear your dog it was just <laughs> if you <laughs> if your dog wasn't struck get all that stuff out and try to put it together yeah. he'd, he'd get struck <clears throat> but you had to, those would give you a direction of where that dog was mm-hmm. and uh, it was a great thing it saved us it saved us a lot of trouble, but. Those dogs back then, they hunted, and they hunted hard, but they, those were different dogs. You know, when we lost those dogs, uh, we hunted a dog for for years, a uh, Grand Night Walker dog. When you lost that dog, if you couldn't get high enough to find him, you know, and hear him treed, mm-hmm. you would just leave a coat wherever you turned him out, and he'd be back there shortly after daylight. You yeah. know, he'd treed till daylight, and he'd come in and be on the coat, and everyone did that. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't nothing. It was odd all these all these dog men did that that's how they how they got your dog back Mm -hmm. but you like you say i wouldn't dare now i wouldn't turn mine loose at all without without a garmin oh no it's changed so much on how we how we train dogs what you can do with them i was talking to somebody about the the first tracking system that we had my father and several guys went in together and got that thing and it had one level of stimulation, and that was hot. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it, 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 had, uh, it, it came in a, in a big old plastic case. It looked like you had a suitcase. It looked like you were going mm-hmm. on a trip when you took it somewhere. Yeah. And, and, the, and the transmitter on their neck looked like a brick. I mean, it was just a big, huge outfit. But, you know, that took us from where we were. To that point and i think that's what's happened to us now we just we just keep moving forward with the technology i mean i can remember when they when they had the first garmin you know the first one yeah man that was that was huge well now if you compared that to a 200 now we've got the 300 exactly you know the technology just keeps advancing yeah, uh, we've got map cards in there you can see. You don't have to you've never been there in your life and you put in a card for another state, mm-hmm. you know, and it'll show you a it'll show you an aerial photo of where you're at, you know. Exactly. So it it, it changes. It has really changed. I've said it a million times. I'm very very glad that I got to come from that time where we didn't have those things. Because it was so different then, the way that people hunted and the way that people handled dogs, the group aspect of it was so was so much different. Uh, mm-hmm. Because you hunted in a group then, because yeah. these dogs would stay together, and we trained our dogs like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we say, we've got dogs now that are hardly ever do we have dogs tree on the same tree. Yeah. Years ago, we started dogs with other dogs. Yes, you know, you would take your you would take your older dog. You take that hound, that hound would get struck in there and get a track up and moving, you'd get your young dog out, pull him out of the box, get him listening, and when you seen he was listening, you'd cut him to that dog. And when and when he got big enough that he would go in there and get struck, well, we were tickled, mm-hmm. you know. Well now if you were doing that, people would say, Well, man, that that guy's doing this all wrong. There's no <laughs> way he's gonna have an independent dog. So things have just really yeah. it's just changed. I think back then you know, I have people ask a lot of uh, about the, me showing these dogs. You know, a lot of my pictures, these dogs are standing up on a bench. I came from a time when when everything was what we call dual grand hounds. Mm-hmm. So he was a grand night dog and a grand show dog. And if you had a stud dog and he was what we would consider a complete stud dog, he was a dual grand show dog and a dual grand night dog. So he could, he could look good on that bench and didn't do his job at night. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I've always been after. I like a dog that, that doesn't hurt your eyes when you pull him out of the kennel. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, yeah. you know that. So that was that's always been a big thing for me.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, but like I say, I'm just really happy that I got to see it go from where it was to where it's at now. I I think it's great that there's all the young people in the sport. You know, uh, people that are are just been doing this for a few years. I think that's mm-hmm. super. That's the only way to grow this. I also hate that that people didn't get to see how it used to be. Yeah, There was some great dog men. Not that there's not now. I mean, there's some very, very good handlers now and good dog men, dog trainers. But it was so different because you didn't have all this technology. For one thing, you know, everybody's looking at that Garmin now. Exactly. We're all doing it. I do it. Everybody does it. Back then, you didn't. You had to know those dogs. You had to know what that dog was doing mm-hmm. because so much of it was, like I said earlier, it was a calling contest in these hunts. You know, we would treat these hounds on a half a locate try to, trying to beat the next guy. And when you're around those kind of dog people uh, and you see what they're doing and what they're listening to, these guys knew every every bark those dogs made and what they were doing when they were doing it It, like i say it's great that all these all these young people are into it and they're going to be the they're going to be the future of our sport but i hate that anybody that anybody didn't get to see it before before technology Mm -hmm. took over like it has oh it's great i mean i love i love every aspect of the technology that we have and i and i try to make the most out of it but it was sure different 25 years
0: ago. Oh yeah, And know one thing. One thing I see with technology, and I, this has to do a lot with Facebook. I mm-hmm. may be wrong. One thing, since I've even started this podcast and it really got to talking to people, I feel like, and it could be even better, but the pleasure dog world and the competition world still have a degree of separation. And I don't know how else Absolutely, to word that, yes. but I yes. think they're more. I think there's more there. That they have in common that they have a part because this competition has driven these dogs to this breeding. So even if you're a pleasure hunter, the competition is super important because we've got so many good pleasure dogs that have come through the breeding of these competition hunters. I mean, they are putting some dogs out there that if you're wanting to get into the sport now, you couldn't ask for a better time to be looking for a young dog. Because the breeding is just, I mean, there is a standard right now that people are looking for. You know, I I think even the pleasure dog hunters need to be interested in the competition aspect, even if you never want to go to a hunt. Just kind of keep your eye out there because there's a lot of great dogs out there that are going to make great pleasure dogs or competition dogs or whatever, but the, the breeding has really, really stepped up its game, and so it's something to keep your eye on, even if you're not going to a competition hunt. Just, you know, keep your eye on the dogs out there, and I think Facebook yes. has really helped to, to get everybody together on that.
1: There's no doubt. You know, uh, it's the it's the greatest promoter that there's ever been.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, before that, and, and it's the greatest promoter both both uh, in positive ways and in negative. Before that, you know, you got all your information from a magazine. You know, you had you had Full Cry, you had American Killer, and you had Bloodlines, and I can remember waiting to read those. You know, I mean that was that was a huge day. Mm-hmm. I was sitting out there waiting on the on the mailman <laughs> to drop those <laughs> yeah. off and yeah. read them from cover to cover. Yes. You know, I I've had this I've had this dog addiction since I was a little kid. Yeah. You know, I what everybody else was reading like hot uh, hot rod magazines, I had a, a Coonhound Bloodlines in my yeah. pocket. But I think like you say. There's there's this big segregation between competition hunters and pleasure hunters. And you see it a lot. And it doesn't have to be that way. Because fact of the matter is there's way more pleasure hunters in the country than there is competition hunters. There's no doubt about that. Look at look at the numbers. You know, I can remember as a kid you had we had what we call grade hunts and registered hunts. And they mm-hmm. would be at the same time, but great dogs hunting with great dogs. Uh, and I'm going back to the early, early '80s. You know, the number of people, and we would have considered them now by today's standards. Those would have been what we would have considered pleasure dogs. But everybody says that with this negative, with this negative connotation on it. You know, like that's a, yes. that's a pleasure guy. You I'm know? glad you pointed that
0: out. It's yes, it's not, but it kind of gets put that way. But go ahead.
1: No, no, in the same way with the competition guy from the pleasure guy. Oh, no, yeah, that's that's one of them. That's one of them competition hunters. Everybody's in this thing the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We're all we're all losing spots that we hunt. You know, everybody's yes. fighting for their for their little stronghold to where we can still hunt. Everybody needs to be. I don't care whether you're a beagle guy, a deer dog guy, or a coonhound man. Everybody needs to see that and, and try to work for one goal here, mm-hmm. uh, and, and make everybody look at us and and see that uh, you know these guys are out here having they're just out here trying to train dogs too. Yes. You know, we're losing things all the time now. To, to people deer hunting you know and oh, i've not yeah. got nothing against deer hunters yeah. I, I like to deer hunt myself mm-hmm. you know but so many times you're seeing that people are, are buying up deer leases they don't want people on there it's not like it used to be mm-hmm. you know used to especially here in my part of the country you could cut a dog he could go for miles and not get on anybody mm-hmm. it's not that way now but uh, to try to get back to the to the competition pleasure thing Everybody needs to work on that. There's that doesn't need to be an argument because no. I think for for us everybody has a link. You know, if I sell a litter of eight dogs, every one of those is not going to go to to a competition hunter. The last female that we bred, I think he I think he had nine pups, and I would say probably four of those went to what I would consider competition hunters yes, and and the other four or five went to pleasure hunters. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that those dogs aren't going to make nice dogs, and, you know, and they're from the same family of dogs. And, and I think that it, the one needs the other. There's no Absolutely. doubt about it.
0: Yes. Yes. So, we all love so, dogs. That's if we, even if you're a competition hunter who is competition driven and is in this yes. and you're trying to win everything you go to, and that's just, yes. you know, that's, at the t- you still, if you didn't love hunting dogs, you couldn't do this. Absolutely. You know, it, it, yeah. we, we all love the dogs. It's all about, you know, running your dogs and bragging about your dogs. And, and, and if we didn't love that and have that in common, then, it, you know, I could see, you know, maybe there would be a difference. But at the end of the day, like I said, even the highest level competition hunter, I would assume, has to have a degree of love for what he's doing.
1: Yes. Yes you do I mean you you have to be driven to do this if, if not if you don't like what you're doing you're not going to go out there in in the in the cold and the heat uh, oh, yeah. and do what we do and i I had a guy come and, and hunt with me a year or so ago and he said you know I didn't know if uh if if you would want uh, you know pleasure dogs hunting with you i I don't think about that like that you mm-hmm. know first off if I've got a dog that I think can win I don't care if you bring a great Dane and you cut him with him yeah. Mine needs to go do his job. In fact, you know, it's probably better for mine to hunt with something, you know, that that's not like that. But, you know, you could see that that this guy thought that there was this big division between but between where where the pleasure hunter was and where the competition hunter was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think I think especially coming from the area that I did. Now, I love to competition hunt. I like it. But I, I grew up pleasure hunting, and, and that's where my love for this thing started. I think mm-hmm. everybody's does. You know, most of us started on that pleasure side. And I still want to take my dogs and kill squirrels to them or treat mm-hmm. coons with them. You know, so like I say, we're, we're not that far separated. Uh, mm-hmm. I think social media likes to make it out like we are. <laughs> yes. but we're not that we're not that far separated. I exactly. think there's a lot more things that we could that we could argue and bicker about mm-hmm. that would be way more beneficial than the than the competition pleasure dog guy. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Well, like what
0: you just said, everybody who puts a dog in the woods started somewhere. You know, we all we yes. all got into this in the beginning, whether we were a kid or we were already twenty years old, because we were curious about these dogs. So you know, we've all got yes. that in common already yes and yeah i think yeah i think we lose track of that but and, and i'm like you you know i think sometimes the word pleasure hunter gets a you know gets a bad rap but you know most yes your, most of the comp hunters that i know and have met love to be in the woods you know all the time even if they're not at a competition hunt they, they yes. want to be out there yes. doing that so i just yes. i wish yes. that misconception would heal itself in some way i guess
1: that's it you know and i think the only big difference is what's acceptable to one may not be acceptable to the other. Yes. So we automatically say, okay, this guy's a competition guy. He doesn't let his dog, he's got his dog up there. He doesn't allow it to be loose. So he's a competition guy. Mm-hmm. So he's different than me because I don't leash my dog at a tree. Uh, I call my dog off and he goes with me. He. This guy leashes his. What you do, if you're tickled with that, and I've always said this, I don't care what kind of dog you got, whether it's a beagle, a walker dog, or a cur dog. If you're happy with that, that tickles me to death. That's mm-hmm. great. It's not gonna change what mine does or it shouldn't. Especially if I've got what I think is a competition dog. He should yes. perform at any level. And for that guy, that may be what he what he likes. Or he mm-hmm. may like we said earlier in the conversation, he may not have ever been shown that. I had a I had a very good dog man tell me one time, he said, you know. You can only compare the a good dog to the best dog that you've ever seen. Exactly. And and I think as you as you hunt with more and more dogs, we all look back on dogs and think that's the best dog I've ever saw. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've hunted with if you've hunted with fifty dogs, and somebody else has hunted with five, his measuring stick's different. Yes. You know. It sure is. Is and and what's acceptable for him is different. It's not that. That he may not do it. He may have not ever had anybody show him to do it. You know, you take a dog. We were talking the other day about dogs loose at a tree. You take a dog that's loose at a tree. He may not know to to chain that dog up, mm-hmm. you know, and reinforce what you're trying to do. Not just that, but so many other things. If you don't have somebody show, you, it's no different than anything else. Nobody yes. was born just knowing this. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's no guide to it. You know, Not like we said earlier, there's no, there's no cookie cutter way to do it. You have to have somebody take enough time and interest in you to, to teach you these things. Yeah, you, know? I mean, you,
0: you, you brought on a good point there. And I've thought about this in the past, but we, we focus a lot on what are our dogs doing? Why can we do this different with our dogs or what do we need to do with our dogs and I'm, I'm guilty of this, and I've, I've thought about this here recently, but you know, I think sometimes we need to look at ourselves at the same time as we do our dogs because, like you said, each dog is going to hunt different and have a personality, so it's what do I need to do, what can I change to help my dog? Because obviously, like we said, handler error has a lot to do with it, but educating yes. yourself and getting with that person who knows what they're doing and how to help you and putting the wheels into motion and, and, and understanding what to do is going to make all the difference in the world.
1: And I think you've got to be honest with yourself. You know, there's only so much that you can get out of each and every dog. What you can get out of, out of some of them is what you can get out of them. And that's, and that's what you have to be honest ab- about. Mm-hmm. The, the world's fastest Shetland pony is not going to win the Kentucky Derby. No, He's the fastest Shetland pony <laughs> that there is, but he's not going to win the Kentucky Derby. Exactly. And, and I think that's, that's the thing. You know, you have to look at the dogs. I've had dogs that were some of the best bred dogs in the country. Mm mm-hmm. and, and, you know, when you would get them to a point where you would think this is what they are, you know, and you have to decide then at that point, does he have enough enough pros to keep him? Yes. You know, or, or does he have so many cons that you can't live with him? I'd I said on another podcast, you know, used to I thought I was looking for this perfect dog. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think perfection is attainable. Uh, I think consistency is attainable. And I yes. think consistency is what wins. You know, there's so many variables that change things. If you've got a dog, it is, can you give me a dog that will go in there and get treed and stay consistent. Yeah. He doesn't have to be super, super flashy on a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have to drive in there 14 mile an hour. He can, he can go in there six mile an hour. If he goes in there and makes no mistakes and doesn't give back any points, yeah. he's consistent. He can win. You know, there's a lot of these casts that are won just with dogs that are very, very consistent. You oh, see yeah. dogs with a lot of longevity in these competition circuits of any kind. Uh, walker dogs, squirrel dogs, anything. Those dogs are winning on, on consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that—and I think that's, that's what we're looking for. And I think that's what we've done as breeders is we've bred for this. You know, yeah. I, I think in years past... So many people. For one thing, you didn't have the ability to do it. You know, you can get now. You know, if you want to spend the money, you can get a straw semen from a from a dog that has been dead for years. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, that may be one of the best reproducers in the nation. You can make that cross again. Yep. So I think there again, te- technology has taking us just leaps and bounds ahead of where we were. Oh, yes. um, I think you. I think you've got people that are that are breeding these good females to some of the best top, top dogs in the nation, whether they be cur dogs or, or hounds, mm-hmm. you know, so you're getting people that are making what I would consider to be better crosses, you know, and, and you're always going to have people say, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily believe in that, you know, I got a line of dogs that I breed and Hey, that's great. If you've got it, if, if you think what you have is, is going to be successful. You know, you're, you're ahead of the game right there, yeah. you know. You know, if you've got something that you believe in, hey, stick with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think now from the, on the competition end, people are seeing what they're wanting, you know, and it may be more mouth. That's a huge thing in these squirrel dogs now. Mm-hmm. They've got bigger mouths than they've ever had. 20 years ago, I mean, if that dog treed in there very far, a lot of times you could see these dogs. If they did tree in there very far, they didn't have any mouth. Now there's a lot of dogs you can hear way in there. They got mouths just like hounds do because there a lot of them are predominantly hounds. Yeah. You know we breed we breed for a dog that is a, a dog that will take a bad track and put a tree on it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know years ago they just didn't do that because that wasn't what that wasn't what people were hunting for to win. No. Now they're you know if if you can go win a new pickup with a dog like that, <laughs> guess what? Everybody's going to breed that's for that exa- style of dog.
0: Yes. Yes. That's exactly that's right. It. Yes. One yes. thing
1: I want to get to
0: get back to real quick, and I think I'd seen mm-hmm. this question uh, somewhere on Facebook. I can't remember, if somebody messaged me. But can you explain the difference between a tree and cur and a mountain cur? Or a tree okay, and and uh, a mountain feist? Yeah.
1: Now I can tell you the the mountain feist and the in a tree and feist I'm not very familiar with them I, I I would I'd be talking out of turn if I was given any information on the on the feist end okay um, I'm sure I'm sure that there are some differences and some similarities the the mountain curves, they started from from dogs that were OMCBA registered original mountain cur breeder association mm-hmm. um, and years ago. Like I say, that was the thing. Those were those were what people were looking for. And there's still a lot of guys that hunt them. And they have come leaps and bounds ahead of what they were too, just like everything else was. Mm-hmm. But those dogs came, those dogs have what we call OMCBA registration papers, Original Mountain Cur Breeders Association. Okay. They are supposed to be dogs that all trace back to Original Mountain Curves. Now, a tree and curve. Can be anything that's crossed up like that. You know, a train cur can be it can be half Walker dog and half Mountain cur. Anything that 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 falls over the size limits. You know, as far as as far as the 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 height and the weight. Mm-hmm. You know, then he, then he would be. If you took a uh, a small Mountain cur, you know, and and you bred it to a to a Walker dog, if you got a dog that was that was under the weight limit and the height limit. You know that dog. He might be what you would consider a train feist. Yeah. You know, but what we breed for in the train cur line of things is we're breeding. Most of them are are half walker dog, or a lot of dogs got a little shot of bird dog in them, something like that. Mm-hmm. They're a, they're a crossed up dog. The original mountain cur dog that is supposed to be a dog that that truly has OMCBA papers on him. So that's mm-hmm. the difference in them. Okay, uh, they're not they're not supposed to be a dog that has got. Any hound bred into them. Now there's a lot of a lot of talk about this one does, this one doesn't. Mm-hmm. I, as far as papers are concerned, they're supposed to be dogs that are all OMCBA paper. Okay. Um, these other dogs, these other dogs that we got, like I say, we're, we're very open about what they are. They're most of mine are, are at least half Walker. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and like I say, I think that those dogs were bred. Those dogs were bred for a specific purpose. You know, and I think that the competition side really heightened that you know yeah. it really brought out the the characteristics of, of what the what the walker dog could bring to him, or what oh. the walker dog could bring in
0: okay do you breed your dogs or do you breed for your own pups
1: Yes, yeah. As a general rule, yes, I do. Now, I I don't want to paint a picture, Kevin, like that I'm this huge breeder because I'm not. Mm-hmm. My heart lies in training young dogs. To be honest, I don't like little puppies. I just absolutely hate little puppies. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when that puppy gets, when that puppy gets 12, 15, 16 weeks old, I'm interested in him because I can mm-hmm. start doing something with him. Yeah. But the and a lot of people like the little puppies. Yeah. I don't. Um. I've actually bred my boondog more. He's, he just turned three years old, and Boone's been bred more in, in his three years than any dog I've had in a long time. I probably had eight or ten litters throughout my whole life. Now, I tried to breed. I've always hunted the same line of dogs. Most of the time, I hunted dogs that I had bred. I don't think that I've probably not had, but maybe one or two dogs that I bought that was what was started. Most of the dogs that I've had, I either bought as little bitty puppies mm-hmm. uh, or are raised, you know, had the females. I've always been a, I like females. Um, and okay. you know, when I was in the, in when I was in on the mountain curve into things, I kept two grand school champion females and I did some breeding in, you know, I mean, I would breed every, every three or four years. I hunted the dogs that I bred. So I didn't breed a lot. I sure don't want to make out like that. I've got a, got a bunch of breed females because I don't, but mm-hmm. I, I like a female dog. When I bought the dog, I bought him with with all intense uh, intentions of selling that dog. I was just going to get him going and sell him. Well, I, I, I took a, I took a real liking to him, and he's still here. But for the most part, I just keep female dogs, and I think the reason for that is for me, and I guess everybody. There again, it's 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 all in what you what you think and you believe and you got confidence in. For me, I think a female dog remains more consistent overall. I just, I like the way they travel. I realize that they come in heat mm-hmm. and everybody says, yeah, they're going to come in. I understand that. But other than that, the net three weeks on some, six weeks on the other, depending on if they come in six months or, or once a year. Other than that, I just think they're more consistent in their behavior. I just like a female dog. And then if you get a, if you get a top female, your avenues of breeding her are so much higher than if you've got a nice top male dog. You can have the best male dog in the world. And you're still you're you're still caught and, and bound to whoever brings you good females. Mm-hmm. You know you got to hope you get the opportunity to breed to, uh, to those great females. For me, I, I I realize that you have to have two good dogs. You got to have a good male and a good female. Mm-hmm. But I am a huge believer in quality females. Yeah. For these for these quality puppies. Yeah,
0: I've heard uh, that a lot in the past.
1: Yes, I I I believe a, a ton in, in in quality females and maternal grandmothers. And there again, if you believe it's going to be successful, mm-hmm. you're probably going to have success with it. Like I say, I'm a, I'm a female dog man. Though historically, you know, what I mean, mm-hmm. if you look back over over 35 years of hunting, most time I'm going to have a female on the end of my chain. Okay, um, they, they just work better for me.
0: Yeah. So you you said now, of course, if you don't care, we'll get into this a little bit because this is yes. always yes. something everybody likes to talk about. But uh, uh, training your pups, and 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 like we've mm-hmm. said many times, even in the same bloodline, no no two pups are going to train the same. But uh, oh, no. you know, can you kind of walk us through maybe your process of what you look for when you're training a pup from go go from the ground up?
1: You know, when when I start, and we'll we'll start right at a litter of puppies. When I start with these puppies. If I've got that female and those puppies are born here, I'm immediately watching those puppies from day one. Um, I'm trying to pick something out. I'm trying to see something that I think is different, something that sets that dog apart. Um, and if you would have asked me this five years ago, I'd have said I'm looking for the boldest, wildest pup in the bunch. Mm-hmm. That's kind of changed for me now. I want a pup kind of in between. You know, I, I want that middle-of-the-road pup. Yeah, uh, I don't want one. I don't want one that's that's off one way or the other. I, I just think that those are those dogs are trainable. They're they're easier to handle. I'm looking for a dog that that is that is a standout dog. You know that does something. He's off by himself when these others are over here, and it's hard to find that. You know because in a litter of puppies, you know one day this one's doing this, and then tomorrow this one's doing that. But if you watch, you'll start to you'll start to see something that you like. And you'll pick out a pup pretty quickly. And, and then, you know, as, as those pups go on, you start to you put that dog in different situations. Like I say, I, I take my pups, uh, I may take them when they're little bitty guys and they're just starting to eat and they're out in the yard, uh, especially if it's warm. If they're in the yard, I'll take I'll take food and I'll feed them dogs out there where they've got to look and find something, mm-hmm. you know, and there again. Does that does that show you anything? I don't know, but I, I think it boosts your confidence.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you take a little dog and you watch that you watch that dog go down through there, and it smells, and you know it's it's found it's something to eat there. All that stuff builds. It, I think it's like climbing a ladder. Mm-hmm. Everything everything builds, and then all through that is there before. And I'm talking before they're weaned. I start taking those dogs. I'm separating those dogs. I'm putting those dogs. I may put those dogs in a crate one at a time by themselves, and see how he reacts, Mm -hmm. you know, watch and see what he does, see what his anxiety level is going to be like, see what, just see how he's going to react, what he's going to do, and if you can, you know, I think it gives you a level of confidence, you know, you feel really good about that pup that you've picked, but I think, but I think as far as picking weanling pups, when it comes right down to it, you know, I've tried to pick for color. I've tried to pick for actions and I've had some, I've got a, I got a dog here right now that is, a, a that I think a lot of, she was just, she was the only one that made it. And, and probably one of the most off colored dogs I've ever owned in my life. You know, I would not have picked her out of a litter of dogs, but circumstances made it where she was the one that, that made it, you know, and I'm sure glad she did. I like her awful well, but I think, you know, you're taking, like we talked about before, you're taking pans and you're banging in your and you're checking things out. And when you do that, you know, you, you hear people talk about gunshot dogs. I don't know that I've ever had one that I raised at all that was ever gunshot. I, yeah. I just don't ever remember that even being an issue. So, again, it's all it's all exposure. But then as that dog gets weaned, I start to try to separate that dog. You know, when I'm hauling him uh, on short trips to town, uh, taking him somewhere, letting him be around people, uh, around different situations. seeing how they react and then we build from there I'll, i'll have a dog tied out you know i may be cleaning my kennels out and i may have that dog tied over to the fence there you know where he he he's done got all that fighting fighting the chain uh fighting the leash he's done through with all that so that when you transition him into the woods and he does make that tree when he makes that first tree i don't want anything to to break his concentration Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want, I don't want him to be worried. Oh my gosh, he's going to catch me and put me on a leash here and tie me up. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to be a bother to him. Uh, Yet again, I want everything to be fun for that puppy. And I try to set him up for success. I think that there's, there's this window of opportunity for these young dogs and it all comes at different ages. Uh, You might have a dog that that at five months old, you can do so much with. Uh, Then you may have another one. I've had litters of dogs. One of them would be trained really good at five months old, and the other one wasn't. Now, in, in three or four months, that other dog caught up and may jump ahead, but his, his window wasn't open at that time. And I think you've got to be sharp enough to see how much pressure you can put on him. Yeah. And a lot a lot depends on what your game situation is, the time of the year. My most successful dogs came when I could hunt them, and the game was thick. Mm-hmm. If you've got a dog that that's six or seven months old and it's cold in the wintertime and you couldn't find a squirrel in ten miles, your success rate on him's not going to be near as good as if I've got one, you know, the last week of May when squirrel season's in and squirrels are running all over the gravel roads. Mm-hmm. I can do something with him. Now that other one may have may have been twice as good, but he didn't have the he didn't have the same the same opportunities. Yeah. You know. So I think a lot of it depends on a lot of my training tactics depend on time of the year and game availability. I'm not one for if, – if game is thin, you can't take that pup out there and, and expect him to to be super enthusiastic and wanting to go get tree if there's no game for him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not fun for him. If it's not fun for you, it sure ain't fun for him. So I think yeah. in those situations, you need to just hold up and wait. You know, I think sometimes we – we want to force more on them than what they can take. But I, I think for me, that's kind of how I do it. And, and now I take a dog, I take a young dog when he's very, very young. Now I'm talking a dog that may be 12 or 14 weeks old. I may take that dog with an old dog and I'll just let that pup go be a pup with me. I don't care if he's if he's sitting in the ridge road and he's doing what puppies do. You know They chew on rocks, they grab sticks, they... They run around in circles. Mm-hmm. They do all the things that little puppies do, but he's there. Yes. And I let him do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to go five hundred yards in there, or he wants to lay there at my feet, mm-hmm. at that point, I'm just trying to to move him around and let him enjoy it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, these dogs will do a little bit of something. Yeah. But if they don't, if they don't, I just let them go. Yeah. Now. When those old dogs tree if I walk in there and I knock a squirrel out and I show that to that dog and that pup likes that i'll I'll kind of gauge him and see uh, what's this pup capable of is he capable of, of, of helping helping him tree an easy squirrel or is he just not no way near that mm-hmm. and if he's not I may take that pup back home and and not get him out for you know another couple of weeks and two weeks to 30 days is huge on these little puppies you know, and I just kind of watch him engage him. Now, if I take that puppet four months old, and I'm walking him in there, and he's going in, and man, he's excited at that tree with those other dogs. Yeah, and I knock that squirrel out, and I show it to him, uh, and I can mess with it and drag it off. Uh, and I don't drag them and put him up a lot. Uh, that's I think that's something that that causes a lot of bad habits real quick. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's something that you can see where a dog's at. And then move on. If I've got a dog that's at that age, I can I can put him somewhere and hunt him, uh, and we've got some game, and he's trying to treat a little bit like that on a squirrel. Mm-hmm. I'll take him completely by himself then. Yes. Then at that point, then at that point, he does not go with another dog because I think that that there's so much confidence in one squirrel. You know, I mean, you can kill twenty squirrels to him and another dog. For me, it's not the same, and and I, if somebody else thinks that's the way to do it, then that's great. You know, I, uh, you know, a lot of people have a lot of success different ways, but for me, I hunt him with another dog just a little bit mm-hmm. to show him what we're out there after. Because they don't, they're not born knowing that. They don't yeah. know that. You have to show them what you're after. Once you see that, and that and that dog is shows you that he has the ability to get excited uh, and maybe even bark up over a squirrel. I'll take that dog then and I put it solely by itself. Mm-hmm. And here and here's where it gets hard because most people don't want to most people don't want to hunt by themselves. I hunt by myself probably ninety-five percent of the time because I'm trying to train dogs every time. I'll take that pup and I'll I'll set that pup up, I'll put him in a situation where I know chances are good I'm gonna walk him down this little two-track road and there'll be a squirrel running across this. If I can get him on a hot squirrel and help him tree that squirrel, you know, get him in there, see him working around, help him find that squirrel and get it knocked out. To him. man, his his confidence goes through the roof. Oh yeah. You know, you know, and do that just a little bit and put him up on a good note. Put him up uh, and, and let him think about that. These <laughs> these dogs have a, I think their retention is way more than we give them credit for. Make it make it fun for him, knock that squirrel out, make a big deal over him, and I'm. I'm big at staying and staying at a tree with a young dog. Now, you got to gauge him, you mm-hmm. know, and see what his enthusiasm level is. But I think so much we're so driven by how many can we kill.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I I I want to kill I want to kill two squirrels in my dog. Then I want to kill four. You know, and then I want to kill a tailgate full. That puts you in a hurry. That dog, yet again, uh, I had a good dog man tell me years ago. He said, "Slow up at that tree. Yes. That's that dog's payoff." you work all, you work all week for, for your weekend. And that's for that dog, that's his paycheck. You know, mm-hmm. getting to, getting to knock that game out to him, make that last longer. So I really try to make that fun there. Now you can't, I, I'm not telling you, get up there and rub on him and love on him all the time. Cause that creates bad habit. Some dogs need it. Some dogs need encouragement. Some mm-hmm. dogs don't need encouragement. And there again, you got to gauge him and watch him. But I take those dogs and hunt them by themselves, try to put them in successful situations, and then I just build on it. Like I said, like climbing that ladder. Yeah. I try to take him to a spot that's not as easy for him to find a school. Yeah. You know, I may dump him on a field edge where he's got to hustle in and get in there. Just building, putting, putting more tools in his toolbox. Mm-hmm. But he's got to be he's got to be old enough and mature enough to handle that. You know, and we as, as dog men got to be able to look at that and say, here's what he can take. You know, I try not to set them up where I have to reprimand them. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of people say, you know, what do you do if your dog runs? If my, if a young dog jumps a deer and he runs a deer here, I let him run him. You yeah. know, I'm not worried about that. I'm not trying to burn him down and, and shut him down early like that. Now, I'll get him broke later on, but that's mm-hmm. not going to hurt me. I don't look at that as a negative. Yeah. Uh, there again, going back to the making the most out of his time. He's making something happen. I like when it's got that fire like that. You know, I'll catch him later on. You I know. hear that
0: more and more with dogs running deer as, you know, that's not as big of an issue as what, or what I thought it was. That, yes. That's good. Yep. That's good. I'm glad you said that.
1: Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, I guess a lot of people, a lot of people look at that different and they think, man, if that pup runs, if I can shut him down immediately, he won't ever start that. I'm, I'm of the, of the other mindset. I let that pup go. I hope he gets to the point that I really like a dog at, let's say, 9, 10 months old that if he hits a squirrel track first, he'll treat it, but if he hits a deer, he'll take the breath away from me, mm-hmm. one that's got that kind of drive that I've got to catch later on. You know, yeah. a lot of times when these dogs jump a deer, I'll go off hunting something else because yeah. I've always got other dogs that I'm training. I'll go off and hunt something else. I'll just let him run until I come back and. You know, that dog is learning to, to shove, you know, to really push that track. And there'll mm-hmm. be people say, No way, I just don't believe in that. And if they don't, shut them down if that's what you if that's what yeah. you think. Yeah. But I don't want to take that dog. I don't want to shut him down. You know, he's just getting a head of steam going. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's feeling good. And he's still he still will tree squirrel if they hit him. You know, so he's having a ball. Mm-hmm. I let him go till it gets where where they're starting to get uncontrollable, then I shut them down and we go back to business. Yeah, you know, and it—I don't find that it's that hard to do like that. I think that everybody, especially with these Garmin's, uh, with the ability to shock, there's a lot of dogs get shocked too much too early, when it's when it's something that we could have waited and it may have made for a for a better training situation.
0: Oh yeah, um, yeah. It, I I keep know, mine turned down. I've got. I, I think I, if people are familiar with a dogtra. It's on the phone and you can turn that, you can lock it or you can turn the the adjustment or the level down to one. And I keep mine turned down to a one because I've got to take time and turn it up if I'm going to shock him. So me and Steven were out, I don't know, last week sometime. And, uh, last weekend, as a matter of fact, and he had, uh, he had one of his pups with him and, uh, my dog had treed, you know, a couple hundred yards off and we, and his, his little puppet went over there and was with him around the tree and we got within probably, I don't know, 40 yards of the tree. Well, my dog did something that's he typically doesn't do, and that was he left the tree, and he was behind the pup. And, boy, mm-hmm. man, at the time, I was like, that's that's all I needed to see. You know, and I, I yes. grabbed my phone, yep. and I'm ready to go. And I just happened to look, and Stephen mentioned it. His little pup had a squirrel. A squirrel had came out, and they had caught yep. the squirrel. And so, you know, all, all my dog was doing was chasing the game. You know, he, it wasn't the fact, and as a matter of fact, what happened was, uh, you know, finally my little dog didn't, the the pup had the squirrel chewing on it and believe it or not, he went back over and started treeing again. Yes. And I thought, man, if I would have shocked him, I would have just, you know, I would want to crawl in a hole right now and I just about messed up. So I'm
1: glad I didn't. You know, it's, it's very hard to, to do. It's easier to say than it is to do, but you know, if you can keep from shocking him, when you're angry, because mm-hmm. we all do that, yeah. especially if we're with our buddies and he's making you look foolish, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you think, well, I'll show you. Mm-hmm. It, I, th- I don't think it's any different than, than reprimanding anything. You know, it, if you're angry, you're probably not going to be making the best, the best decision no. either, you know? And, and like I say, with this, with this running these deer, I don't look at it like that. I don't think, oh man, this is, this is the worst, the worst part of the day. I let mm-hmm. him go. Let him go and, and and that will all come together. So, like I say, I think for, for me, that's that's kind of the way I start a young dog. And then then I, I just start start putting him in different situations. You know, and we're all the time looking for a competition dog. I mm-hmm. start to, I don't hunt them by themselves, or I don't hunt them with other dogs or by themselves all the time. And mm-hmm. that's a great thing. But there has to be, that dog has to be brought back in with other dogs to see what his reaction is going to be. Yeah, I can't tell you. I can't tell you if he's not going to pull if I've never put him with another dog. Mm-hmm. So you have to set those dogs up for those situations. Yes. And there again, I try to set them up where they're successful during those situations.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, I don't, I try not to set them up for failure. I try to set them up for success. Yeah. And I think that that is the, that's the difference in the competition side of things. Uh, and I think that's probably the only difference that we have in, in competition people and and pleasure hunters mm-hmm. we're we're constantly looking for for what we can do to making just a notch better because mm-hmm. we're our ultimate goal is to win that cast yes you know uh yeah. now if you're a if you're a pleasure hunter and that dog gets off the treat just a little bit and he's down more than 15 seconds without actively treating that doesn't hurt you no you can still no. kill that school absolutely you know it may have cost that other man a pickup you know so it's <laughs> yeah. very it's It's very, very important. Exactly. Um, Yeah. But like I say, I I think the big thing is we all hear so many people talk about the way they train. The way I train may not be the same way that that the next five people on this podcast train. Mm -hmm. But what I have learned is you can take something from everybody. Yes. And and put it to good use. Um, Yes. You know, and, there, and there's some people you can look at things and think, man, don't ever do that. They can yes, teach you something. They can exactly. teach you the things not to do. Yeah. Uh, but I think we have to be open minded enough. At my age, I'm probably learning more about dogs now mm-hmm. than I ever have, yeah. and I think that age, I think age helps that tremendously. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I think you go through stages. You know, um, I think the first stage is I wanted to have a dog that I could kill the most game with. Uh, i thought that that 25 was way better than 15 and that's how i measured that that's mm-hmm. how i measured success was by how many schools i could put on that tailgate. then you start to transition into this how am i going to make this dog better you know mm-hmm. and i think there's there's the part i like about it so much is you're constantly working on a dog yes. uh, you know boone is boone is 3 years old and if, if there's something that he's doing I'm gonna work on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that you ever get what we call a finished dog.
0: Yes. Um, yes. I'm glad you said that. I had I had a guy tell me one time, he said, you know, and and he used those words, you know, about a finished dog. He said, I he said, I see what people are talking about. But he said, A dog, if you hunt that dog, he's gonna learn from the first step he takes in the woods till he draws his last mm-hmm. breath. He's yes. figuring something yep. new out every time he goes. Yes. Yes, yeah
1: yeah I think that there's there's so much to it, uh, and like i say I, i'm I'm probably learning more now than I ever have throughout my whole life um, mm-hmm. and, and I think a lot of it is there's so much now when you listen to these podcasts, I think these are the best things that there's ever been uh, i I think that the magazines were great, they're super, and I love to go back and look at some of that stuff mm-hmm. but these things are archived, you know, yes. and you've got so much dog knowledge from people that are so good um we all know people that are very very good Mm -hmm. that are never going to get the opportunity to do these because they may choose not to but look at the knowledge that when they pass the knowledge is going to be gone yeah uh you know like i say they're archives you can go back and listen to Mm -hmm. to segments of things and say yeah i'm going to put that in my program i'm going to try this uh and it may be things that you've never thought of especially somebody that's uh you know, a first or second time dog trainer. Yeah. Uh, great, great, great information on some of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Even you it, know it, like
0: you said, it, you, every dog is different. Everybody's going to train a little different, but yes, if you can grow your knowledge in any way and make yourself a better dog handler, you know, even if you're yes. not a competition hunter, you're still a dog handler.
1: That's you know, you, yes. you,
0: you, you still yes. need that knowledge. And, you know, so if yes. you can make yourself better in any way, that's, you know, then you're here helping yourself.
1: Well, I think the only difference is the a competition dog, man. He measures his success by what that scorecard says. Mm-hmm. That pleasure dog guy, he's measuring his success by what he looks at on that tailgate yes. at the end of that hunt. Mm-hmm. That's the only difference. Yeah. It still takes the dog getting that game treed mm-hmm. and getting it treated the right way. For both of those to be successful,
0: yes, it does. Like I
1: say, we're we're way closer than we are separate.
0: Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I no said. I, it, I wish yeah. that could find a way to heal itself a little bit better, but I can't say it's not. You know, I, I think, like I said, we, at the end of the day, if if you uh, if you weigh weigh it out, I believe we're a lot closer than what we think we are. Uh, I tell
1: you, I tell you, I think I think there's way more people that are that are open minded about it than aren't. You yeah, know, I uh, agree. I agree. You know, I, I think they are. Every, I'll say this uh, as far as the competition side, there are, everybody wants to help it. I'll help anybody I can. Not that I have enough knowledge to help anybody. I'm not saying that at all. But I'll help anybody. I don't care whether you're who you are, mm-hmm. um, whether you're a pleasure dog guy or what you consider a competition guy. Mm-hmm. I'll help anybody I can. Because I've learned people, I've learned a lot of things from people that were what would have been known as pleasure dog people. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I don't, I, and I think there's way more. I think people people would like to make that worse than what it is. I I really mm-hmm. don't. I think I think there's way more people that are that are really helpful than aren't. Yeah, you know,
0: I agree. I agree. And and real quick while we're hitting uh, on the the hunting mm-hmm. competition aspect of it, uh-huh. a couple of questions, and I'd ask you earlier that that has come up. And I've heard people maybe getting interested and in asking about it. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, tracking collars or or the the training collars as far as use in a competition hunt?
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, used to uh, you could always put a collar on your dog, but you had to you had to be in what we call a timeout to use your tracking collars. Mm-hmm. It's not like that now. Now you can actively be using your Garmin collar, but you can't hunt your dog with like a TT-15 collar, mm-hmm. uh, a tracking and training collar, a collar with prongs, uh, something that can stimulate that dog, can tone that dog, um, because that, that could be used in a negative way to, you know, to, to change a lot of things in that hunt. Um, what you can use is is like a, a T5 collar, you know, mm-hmm. a collar that doesn't have the ability to, to shock or tone, either yep. one of those things. Uh, and a lot of times in the bigger hunts, they inspect those things. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, yep. they, they inspect them and make sure, you know, you're hunting for a huge amount of uh, amount of prizes, mm-hmm. um, you know, so they inspect those. But that's what it is. Uh, you know, and what's happened, I think what brought that on is, in my opinion, and I think it's a good thing, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion, you know, dogs have gotten so, so high. Uh, you know, we all know where there's dogs that have been bought for 25000 30000 and, oh, and yeah. a lot of times that's that's just the beginning of this. So I think the safety aspect of it, you know, we can look on these garments now, see if that dog's getting near a highway. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, I mean, I don't care what kind of hunt I'm in uh, or what the prize money in. If that, if that dog is in danger, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to get him shut down and get him caught, yeah. you know, whether I've got a withdrawal from the cash or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody's like that. So it's give us an added, an added sense of security because you load up and you go to other states. You know, you're in a place that you've never been. You don't know how far it is to a highway or what's there. Mm-hmm. It gives you this this added sense of security to be able to see him. Now, you're not supposed to tree your dog off your garment giving you your tree alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not supposed to do that. Uh, you know, that's why you'll see like, like on the, any of these live hunts that you see on, on YouTube or on Facebook, mm-hmm. you'll see those guys a lot of times turn to the judge and say, judge, have you got me? What he's saying is when he does that is, judge do you hear my dog in there because you can't just tree your dog if nobody else hears that dog the ju- you have to hear the dog and the judge needs to hear the dog okay. then you can declare him then you can declare him tree okay. uh, so you can't what I'm what I'm getting at Kevin is you can't you know when you when your watch buzzes you mm-hmm. know it says dog dog one tree you can't look down and say well tree old bud through there yeah you can't do it on that watch yeah they have to hear the dog that makes so that's sense. what a lot of times that's what a lot of times you'll see somebody turn to the judge and say, judge, have you got me? And he says, yes, I got you. And then he says, tree, old bud, you okay. know, and that's, that's what that is. Okay. Um, that makes but, sense. But that, that, does that kind of explain what you, the question you were asking? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And another okay. question, okay. I, I, one more question on the, on the competition aspect do, is a, uh, in the competition hunt, do, when your dog is treed and you go to him, do, is it a rule or do you, are you supposed to leash your dog to the tree?
1: What, what that is, is, is everybody tries to get in there. You get in and the judge says, handle your dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times you go in there and you lease your dog. Um, and the reason for that is you leash that dog. Uh, for one thing, it, I, I think it's carried over from the coonhound world when dogs used to be packed up and be treated together. Mm-hmm. You wanted to get in there as quickly as you could and get those dogs separate. So you didn't have a dog fight. Yeah. Um, now, things have changed, and you don't see that near as much now. But, you know, you got four hounds in there training on the same tree. They're bumping and rubbing pretty tight. Mm-hmm. So you as a handler want to get in there and get that dog back up, back up and tied Oh yeah. Um, so you can handle your dog. So that eliminates any chance of him leaving the tree, uh, okay. doing, anything that, doing anything that would cost you negative, negative points. Yeah. So you get in there and until the judge says, handle your dogs and everything's done in a timed fashion. Um, you know, there's a lot of stopwatches going on, mm-hmm. um, but everything's done in a timed fashion. The judge says, handle your dogs. You go in and you handle them. Then you begin your search time on your tree. Yeah. So your dog's tied up. You know, if you've got five minutes search time, you got him tied up. You know, he's there in a stationary position. Um, so you take your you take your dog and you, you got him tied back. You look for your squirrel or your coon and... You try to find him, and then you you plus that up. You walk your allotted time, and cut your dog again.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, those are some questions that I'd seen come up, and like I said, a lot of times I get uh, questions on messenger and such, and, and I do not. You yes. know, I just have to be honest with people and yep. say I don't know the answer to that, but we're going to yes. find out. So,
1: and yeah. well, I, I you, think you some know, people sure. are
0: afraid to ask online because they're they're afraid you know somebody's gonna leave a negative comment you know and it happens but you know don't be afraid to ask you know
1: no 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 you know i tell people all the time i don't answer and there again i don't want to uh portray any kind of image that i think i I know all about these dogs Mm -hmm. but i i have several people that will message me and i'll talk to them about i don't ever answer anything on on facebook Mm -hmm. uh because there's there there is so much negative negativity on there. Yeah. But I think that you know, a lot of people don't don't lease their dog. Uh, I know a lot of guys that through the years they'd walk in there to their dog and they'd say, All right, come on, buddy, let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, and he leaves and he goes and gets treated again. Yeah. For that for that man, that's the way he does. Yeah. That's acceptable for him and that's acceptable for that dog. Oh yeah. My dogs my dogs get treated. they get tied at, at The higher percentage of their trees, they're Mm -hmm. tied than they aren't, you know. Uh, Now, if I've got an older dog, you know, and I'm walking in there and, uh, you know, I can kill a squirrel easy and I knock the squirrel out and he may not get leashed till then. But Mm -hmm. now for me, my dog never comes away from that tree without being leashed Mm -hmm. and cut off of the leash. Uh,
0: okay that was another lead, question i was going to ask you about it, it, so you lead uh and i'm sorry to interrupt you but even in a even in a ahead. even in a uh, when you're just hunting your dog uh you mm-hmm. do you lead you lead your dog away from the tree on the lead and then cut him loose again yes okay
1: yes 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 yeah and you'll hear you'll hear, hear people refer to as you'll hear guys say boy he recuts good or mm-hmm. he doesn't recut good mm-hmm. what that means is that dog, you've got to walk him a certain, a, a certain time you walk him and then you can cut that dog.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and when and recutting is, is just exactly like it, like it sounds. That's his ability to cut away from that last tree, the most recent tree mm-hmm. and blow in there and get treated again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, so, so we, we work on that with dogs, you know, yeah. a lot of young dogs, they want to come back. Oh, you yeah. know? Um, so there's techniques to, to get a dog where he recuts better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because you can't, he can't come back. You know, yep. if he comes back, if he, if he comes back, it cost you okay. uh, and you don't want to lose it. You don't want to lose any points. No. Um, so that's what you'll, a lot of times you'll hear people refer to, uh, he, he leaves off the recut. Well, that's what that is. That's okay. what recutting is. Okay. Uh, and I, I take mine. I don't care if I've walked up there and it, if, if I'm with a group of people, I'm going to tie my dog every time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but if I've got an older dog, boom, boom, for instance. If I walk in there, I may not tie him at every single tree
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because I'm, I'm not worried about him doing anything. Yeah. Uh, and young dogs, I don't rush in on a young dog. There again, if he's building his confidence uh, and I'm trying to get him ready, I don't rush in there and leash him. Mm-hmm. I want him to, um, to, to if he's going to make a mistake, I want him to make it while we're out there, while we're out there trying to get ready. And then I can make the corrections needed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That makes but sense. I, I, so I'm so I'm trying to do a little bit of it. You know, uh, I don't rush in there and tie him up. I wanna I wanna stop. A lot of times I'll take a dog that, that's good and started. I may ease up there to where I can see him. I may sit down there and let him treat for ten or fifteen minutes if he's capable of that. Mm-hmm. I don't take one that's six months old and just starting and expect him to. Yeah. Because he's gonna. A lot of times if he leaves well, then you're, what did you teach him then? You know. Yeah. Uh, but. I'll sit and watch that dog and and watch him. And if he starts to lose his enthusiasm, then I'll go in there and, and, and and I've seen, you know, I've just about exceeded his length there. Mm -hmm. I need to build on this. Um, You know, and then we go in there and you knock the squirrel out. And, and and eventually you'll get to where you get a dog that you can leave for, for quite a long, long period of time. And you don't have to worry about that dog leaving a tree. He knows you're going to get there. Yes. You know, if, if, if every time you tree, uh, you know, the dogs treat in there a hundred yards. He's treats for a couple of minutes. You run in there and shoot him. you run in there, shoot the squirrel team and you go, he's used to that. Mm-hmm. So if he was put in a situation where it may take you 30 minutes to get to him, mm-hmm. well, that changes things. He's in a different world, yes. you know, and he's out of his, he's out of his element that he's trained for. Yes. So I think on the competition side there, again, you know, we're going back and, and putting this differentiation in. there on the competition side. You're, you're training for that all the time. Oh yeah. Um, yeah you know but the the one thing that is constant and certain if i walk up there and that dog is loose and i knock that squirrel out he go, he's on a leash and he gets recut from that leash in the same fashion i step over him like i do every time before and i cut him loose in the same position okay you know um yeah, great so he knows he, you can see his body language change he knows what you're about to do you yeah. know um when you do that. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what that's
0: all about. A lot of good information. And if you're listening, um, you know, I, and I think maybe people ask me because they probably have a pretty good idea that I don't know the answer myself, but I don't care a bit to ask because you know, that's, you know, I want, I want, I want to learn this as much as anybody else does and gather all the knowledge I can for, you know, to put it out there and let everybody learn. And that's that's what it's all about. Yes. That's what I'm doing this for for myself and everybody else and and like I said, I love talking about it. But you know, I think we've done yes. we've covered a gamut. Is there anything else that you can think of that you want to go over?
1: I don't think so. No, I mean, uh, like I say, I I, I appreciate you calling uh, and asking me to to be on. I appreciate the opportunity. Um you know, and I mean, any anybody that's got any questions? shoot me a shoot me a message on on messenger I'll help anybody that I can I don't care whether whether you're you're what you consider a feist guy or a cur guy or yeah. a hound guy I'll help anybody I can yeah uh, That's you know great. I I, 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 I want to help out any way I can uh, like I said I, I'm not one that jumps in there on the on any of the Facebook talk and gives big answers uh-huh. um, you know I think there's I think there's people that take care of that I yeah. they, they got that covered. but if somebody needs some help, or feel free to call me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I like to talk dogs. Um, I like to talk dogs. I like to hear about dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I I just like what we're doing. You know, I do too. Uh, if I can if I can help anybody anyway, um, feel free to reach out to me. I'm I'm plenty approachable. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's not hard to call me and, and, and I will call you back, get back with it. Yeah. On it, you know, I, I, de- help
0: anybody. I definitely like the direction everything's going in. I mean, I, you, if you look hard enough, you're going to find a bad part of everything, but for the most oh, part, absolutely. yeah, for the most part, I love where it's going. I love what we're doing. And I, you know, I think it's, um, you I know, think it's better than it, it's and, ever been.
1: I think so too. And I, and I want to say this. You know, um we've talked a lot about the competition side of things. I think that people would see if they if they were exposed to it, the the highest end, end of this competition world, whether it be the coon dog world or the school dog world, mm-hmm. the behavior there is so good. Mm-hmm. You got guys that are that are minusing themselves before anybody else ever says to minus your dog. Mm-hmm. You got guys that are helping each other find schools that may make the difference in them winning or not winning. Yeah. Uh, the inte- the integrity, and I'm not saying in everybody because mm-hmm. there are some bad apples in the group. Yeah. But as a whole, it is. Uh, it, it's really a good situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and and I'll say this. You know, I, I, I've kind of seen it go from, you know, you probably see more, more bad issues going on where they're hunting for a, for a little trophy than mm-hmm. you do where they're hunting for $3,500. Oh yeah. You know, and, and I know for most people, they they think, well, how is that? The, the level of professionalism mm-hmm. uh, in, in these handlers is on both ends, on the hound end and the. And the squirrel dog him. And, you know, and you can watch a lot of these things live. You can see these guys. Yeah. They're professionals.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, when I asked that you know, question so, on the last podcast, um, and you can reiterate this, if you're out there and um, if you're never interested in a competition hunt, but you just want to go see some dogs run, uh, if I understand it right, you can go as a spectator and walk absolutely. along with these cats. And yes. you know, it don't cost you a yes. thing. So.
1: Yes, yep. Yeah, there's a number of spectators. You know, and I and I'll say this. The, the the good thing about the competition world now is there's so much difference in in the style of hunts. There's hunts for everybody. Mm-hmm. There's there's NKC hunts that um, that anybody can get in and kinda kinda stick their toes in the water and mm-hmm. see if they like this, all the way up to like I say, hunts where the where the entry fees are in the thousands of dollars. Yeah. So yeah. there's something for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there again, everybody doesn't have to just say, Man, I I, I don't want to do that. I, I feel very intimidated by that. Most of these people, especially the ones that are really, really good, they're welcoming. Yeah. You know. They've got they've got dog enough, they're not trying to hide anything. They'll show you what they got. Yeah. And help you any way they can. You yeah. know. Um you know, most of the time, the better the dogs are, the easier the, the people are to, to get along with because they don't have to do anything yeah. other than handle that dog and call him like he needs to be called.
0: Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I and, think I've heard him like say, those, uh, they welcome spectators cause that's somebody else trying to look for the squirrel.
1: Absolutely. That's more yep. eyes out yep. there. So yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, and, and everybody's trying to grow this sport. Now, let's face it. Um, how many? How many young people do you know that are out there wanting to go hunting on Saturday morning? Oh yeah, not many. Yeah, not many. You know, it's it. There's just not many. You have to spark some interest in this. Mm-hmm. And there's people that that really want the competition side, and there's people that want the pleasure side. Mm-hmm. But we got to have each and every one of them, um, you know, to, to keep doing this thing.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. We. I mean, we've covered yeah. that. We sure do. And that's like Tyler, our, our friend. I'll mention him. He's just he's 22, I think, 22 years old. And uh, me and Steven, neither one of us have ever been in a competition. Um, But he's heard us talk about it enough that he finally mentioned one day, he's like, man, I... Yes. I think I'm going to break down and get me a dog, and so within within yes. a day we had him a dog found. It was somewhere in Mississippi. He had to go get it, but you know that's that's oh. all he can think about right now. He's like, man, I hear y'all talk about the Junior World and these hunts, and he's like, man, I would love to oh, get yes. that a shot. And I'm like, well, and you yes. know, he's putting this little dog in the woods and, and and doing everything he can and listening to podcasts and asking us questions. So he's he's you know I'm, I'm tickled because we've brought somebody into the sport. You know, so absolutely, and I, I'm yeah. I'm tickled yeah. to death. You know, because he's got a son. You know, and I'm sure, hopefully, his son will will pass it on and learn these things. But man, I tell you, it's 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 so much fun, and it's it is an addiction. But uh, yeah, yes. just yes. bringing so, young kids into no, it, if you could bring someone into it, that's that's huge.
1: Well, you know, I can remember as a as a young kid, you know, it seemed like there were so many more houndsmen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, People either had beagles or they had, here in my part of the country, there was a lot of coon hunters. Yes. Uh, there was, a, you know, you would go to a local club hunt and there may be 60, 75 dogs in a club hunt. You know, they were, it was huge back then. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you just see that start to start to slow down and slow down. And now it's to the point that they're, you know, in my particular county, there's, there's probably two or three people that still hunt tree dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yep. 25 years ago, there would have been 40 people. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you went on a Saturday night anywhere and cut a hound loose here, you could hear a dog somewhere. Yes. Not like that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and without making it inviting to people and making them want to be part of it, you're not, nobody's going to, nobody's going to want to go, you know, yeah. uh, yeah. You know, if they ask, if they ask a question on, on Facebook and everybody jumps on there and gives them negative comments,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. well, the first
1: thing they're going to think is, boy, these guys aren't a very friendly bunch.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's You know, we, and it's important. And like I I say it a lot on episodes, it's, it's important for us to be good role models for the kids, you know, and not everybody's perfect. Uh, We're all going to get upset. I mean, that's, you know, you don't got to be perfect, but you know, good sportsmanship and, and, you know, we can be competitive and go at it and, you know. We can even get upset from time to time, but, you know, keep in mind, we're trying to be role models, you know.
1: Like I say, I welcome anybody that is interested in the competition into things. Mm -hmm. Take the time to look up some of these YouTube videos uh, and watch these pro sport hunts. Yeah. uh, These hound hunts where they're hunting for huge amounts of money. Watch the level of professionalism that these guys got.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It's it's second to none, you know. Um, you know uh, they're they're good at what they do. Uh, if their dogs make a mistake, they they own up to that and they go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so so I think it's it gives everybody it gives everybody a real sense of what what truly happens. Yeah. Uh, you know on these on these competition hunts, everybody's not out there to to kill each other. Now yeah. everybody wants to win. Everybody's yeah. competitive.
2: Yeah,
1: everybody's competitive, but the dogs and the handlers have both gotten to the point that. It's anybody has the, has the capabilities of
0: winning. Yeah. You know, I know it's, you know, it's all about perspective and I know coming into this absolutely. when I, and, and I come into it, like I said, not a competition hunter, but my perspective has changed a lot about it just from talking to everybody. Like I said, I want to go to oh, some yeah. this year and just spectate, you know, just be there and watch yes. these dogs run. And so, you know, my yes. perspective, and I think a lot of people have that perspective that it is cut throat, you know, trash talking, you know, somebody's going to, yes. you know, and it's not. It i guess it can be but from what i know the people i've talked to most of the time yes. that's not at all the case
1: no 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 you know uh, and and it gives you a chance to see dogs that you may not have seen or you may have heard about mm-hmm. and, and dogs have come a long ways uh, i mean there's there's oh. feist dogs that'll drive in there deep and get treat just yeah. like these other dogs you know you got feist dogs competing in open events uh <laughs> You know, I mean, it's, it's the whole landscape of, of competition dogs, both, both hounds and curs, it's changed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the level of, the level of dog power is, it's like, it's never been, Mm -hmm.
2: uh,
1: I don't know how much, I don't know how much more forward it can go. You know, I don't know. I I mean, they're to the point now to where, when you go, all the dogs are treated separate. Yeah. Uh, They're doing it fast. It's, it's, it comes down to the to who catches a little bit of luck you know yeah. but like i say uh you know I, I welcome anybody to come and come and give this stuff a try It's oh, yeah. uh it it's it's different um you know it's it's not what everybody quite thinks it is that's yeah. for sure well
0: i know we're sure going to try our best to to make it to a few like i said and just spectate and and uh, watch these dogs run i've i've talked about it for a couple years even before the podcast but now after talking to uh, several of you guys, I'm like, man, I, you know, I just want to see these dogs run. You know, I hear about them. I I see them on YouTube and and read about them in magazines and talk to you guys about them. But, you know, I want to see these dogs go in purpose. And another thing that I think is a misconception or uh, is is a different perspective is that a lot of these dogs in these hunts never make a mistake. And am I wrong or that's not the case?
1: Oh, they, Oh no, yes, they all make mistakes yeah. yes. I think a lot of people yes. think that
0: these competition hunters Just walk with their dog, don't worry about anything The dog never leaves the tree You know, but oh, it's I'm not at you. all like that
1: No, no, there again We're looking for the most consistent dog we can And we're trying to We're trying to limit The mistakes as much as we can mm-hmm. You know, with through consistency Through consistency yeah. in breeding Through consistency in training um, So you're trying to limit those But there's not a dog out there that's never drawn a minus point. Mm-hmm. The best ones in the nation, it happens. Yeah. Situations happen. Um, you know, you may have a dog that uh, that timbers a squirrel and he moves. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he he moves. You may not have been able to see the squirrel, uh, but the dog's visibly move. Yeah. The dog's going to draw a minus point. Now that dog may may have won. He may go ahead and win the world hunt, mm-hmm. but there is there's mistakes made by by dogs there's mistakes made by handlers there's handler errors mm-hmm. um you know and i think that's what adds to the to the competition into things mm-hmm. uh and that's what drives that's what drives a competition hunter you know yeah. they are they're driven by that they 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 hunger for that uh for that adrenaline you know yeah. um i think that you know there's there's people that are better at it than others mm-hmm. but they like that they yeah. like that competitiveness or, or nobody would be there uh yeah. Because there's times when it's (laughs) stressing. Yeah. Oh, I know.
0: And I've kept you on here for a while, but you brought up another question that I'd seen online. And I I think somebody was trying to point out maybe the difference between competition dogs. and, And like I said, everything we've just talked about, but can you explain, and I've heard it explained before, but can you explain it again? Um. If it's, if the dog, if the squirrel timbers out and the dog follows mm-hmm. and you can see the squirrel ha, 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 and you're there when this happens, does that change things?
1: No, if you can see the squirrel, you know, if you're, if you've moved in where you can see the squirrel and your dog's actively trained and he's been called treat, mm-hmm. you know, if that squirrel timbers, then you'll, you'll get plussed on that squirrel, mm-hmm. it, but you have to see him, yeah. you know, and a majority, majority of the cast has to see the squirrel. You know, or or if you've got a non-hunting judge, the judge has to see the squirrel. Mm-hmm.
0: But well, what if your dog goes with it.
1: it? He's as long as you see the squirrel, he's not minus.
0: That's that's, that's what I wanted. Yeah, that's what I wanted to know. Yes,
1: but now let's say this though: if you're standing up on top of the hill and you're watching your dog down through there, you can see him. You know, you've mm-hmm. moved in where you can see him. And all of a sudden that dog takes out like he's got a rocket tied to him. Mm -hmm. And the man turns to the judge and says, well, I guess the squirrel's timber. If Mm -hmm. they don't see that squirrel timber and that dog leaves out. Yeah. If he leaves out of there, he's going to be minus. you know. Uh, Yeah. He's got to be, he's got to be actively treeing most of the time within, within 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he can't, you know, and if he takes off and just leaves, you know, he's going to be minus at that point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. like I say, if you see that score, if you walk up there and you're walking in and that dude fails out, uh-huh. that dog's going to be plused as he was, as he was treated, you know, I mean, it, mm-hmm. as long as he was treated, you know, and, and yeah. everything went, went right there in that, in that circumstance, you yeah. yes, would be plus. Yeah. I, I just kind of want to
0: point out that not, it, it doesn't necessarily minus it. If you can see it, you know, so I, no, I think somebody asked that it. question and I think they thought the misconception was that if, if that, if, if you're standing there and the squirrel leaves out and the dog leaves a tree, that that's a minus. I didn't think it no, was, but I wasn't sure.
1: No, no, no. If that dog, if that dog's actively treeing, you know, and you haven't handled him yet, mm-hmm. you're walking in there and that squirrel bails out and he runs across the treetops and that dog's underneath there barking at him, following him. You're going to get plus for that. Mm-hmm. But what that does is that doesn't allow for a guy to be standing away from the dog where you're hearing him, And then yeah. all of a sudden he, he, he leaves from here to there. He's moved 200 yards. You can't look at the judge and say, well, I guess he timbered. And I yes. say, well, that's okay. Yeah. You know, you're going to get a minus at that point. Yeah. And sometimes those things truly happen. Oh, yeah. Sometimes those happen, those happen with good dogs. Mm-hmm. And that's just part of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, But you, but you'd ask about mistakes. Absolutely. There's mistakes that have been, I've cost dogs through the years. Now I don't competition hunt nearly as much as I did in years past, Mm -hmm. uh, but I still do, and I still train dogs to do that with. Um, But I've cost dogs mistakes that 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 were not their fault at all. Mm -hmm. You know, in that moment of that heat of the moment, you get anxious. uh, You're trying to keep all these scores in your head. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, You know, you're trying to work out these situations. Do I need to let the time run out? Do I not need to let the time run out? You know what? All these different scenarios. And I think there, again, that's, that comes along just the same as with the training. It all comes with the experience that you've got. Yeah. Uh, and everybody had to start somewhere.
2: Absolutely. You know?
1: Yes. Um, everybody, yeah. everybody had to start on their first cast,
0: mm-hmm. you know?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think i hunted it. I think I hunted in my first cast. I was like 11 years old, oh, you man. know? Yeah. uh, uh you know, but, but I'll say this, Kevin, I had dog enough that my father put me with a dog that was easy for me to call. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I had a lot of good things going for me. I'll say that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's in some of these dogs, it does sound like that, you know, all the, all the handlers doing is giving this dog transportation to the hunt and he does the rest, you know, yes. <laughs> some yes. of these dogs yes. are sound like superheroes and, and you know, it's crazy.
1: Yes, I'll tell you there's some there's some of the best dogs that I've been able to see in my lifetime right now. Mm-hmm. You know, this is in my opinion, and there were some great dogs back then. You know, if I look back on the on the on the best dogs I've ever owned, the the best dog that I ever owned was probably twenty years ago, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. Now when I say the best dog, I'm talking about the most consistent dog day and night. That I ever owned for a long period of time. Yeah, uh, one of the only dogs I ever owned from the time I was born to the time it died. Uh, I think that there was still some very very good dogs then, but there wasn't the number that there is now. I think that's probably the the big yeah. differentiation is the number. Good point. Uh, like I say, you could you could pull up to a hunt and there would be sixty dogs, and you knew out of sixty the three or four that was going to win. Mm-hmm. You pull up now and there's sixty dogs. There's a good chance that. If they did that sixty weekends in a row, there'd be a lot of different winners. It mm-hmm. wouldn't be just one dog dominating.
0: Yeah, good point.
1: Uh, the quality of dogs is just it. Like I say, it's at its highest. Um, I think your chances of getting a a good solid pup out of out of a lot of people's breeding programs is really really good now. Boy, uh, it
0: is. I think I agree.
1: we're in, I think we're. I think we're in the good old days of dog breeding right
0: now. Yeah. I think we're experiencing it. Oh, man, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I love hearing that. You know, I love hearing these guys talk about these crosses, and it's, it's like we've almost got it down to a science now, you know, and it's like, yes. man, yeah. you almost know what to expect, and it's, I mean, I don't know, it's just, even even the breeding has become just, like I said, it's it's up to a level that I don't, you know, I guess it can be topped, but it's, it's great where it is.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm like you. I think that it's, uh, you know, it's so much more consistent. I, I'll be the first one to say it. You know, I tried breeding dogs, you know, and I had I had a female that I had great luck out a super reproducer. I had another dog that was what I considered to be a better dog, but she was not a reproducer. Mm-hmm. She would throw some dogs, mm-hmm. you know, out of a litter. There may be one that was, that was decent, you know, uh, never any that I thought were in her category. The other dog was a nice dog but was just far superior as far as reproducing, uh, just seeing like you had a, a, a high, high majority of her dogs that went on to make what I consider better than average dogs. Uh, and, and it was really an anomaly back then because there was just not that many dogs that did that. Mm-hmm. Now it's not like that. Now she would not be, you know, one out of one out of 50. Now there's, you know, there's a lot of nice, nice dogs that reproduce, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think your chances of getting a good one now from a lot, from several different people are, are really, really high. Yeah. Uh, and you see it, you know, you see it on Facebook and I'm not foolish enough to think that every dog on there is, is the best, but you can see that there's a lot of these dogs that are starting early and are doing a little something. Yeah. It wasn't like that 25 years ago. Oh, no. Even 15 years ago, it wasn't. Yeah. You know?
0: yeah well john one more thing i want to hit on is something me and you talked about in the beginning and i'm throwing this out there um for the people who listen to this and the the community as a whole but something that we've talked about with other guys that's been on the show and and i mentioned it to john and we're just going to kind of throw a feeler out there we've talked about maybe getting some guys together who are willing to do this and maybe doing a live on facebook some night with uh Plenty of these guys with a lot of knowledge, and just do a live answer question. And I don't know uh, what platform it would be on, but we would try to get it out there where everybody could get involved in it. And uh, like I said, a live answer question where you could see these guys on video, uh, type in your questions, ask whatever. And obviously, we put this out there ahead of time, maybe a couple of weeks to give everybody a notice. But you know, it's something you could probably get involved in on your cell phone if you're, if you're in the car with a wife or going down the road, you'll still be able to. To watch it and listen and ask questions but uh you know me and john had talked about this before the show and like i say i've mentioned this to other guys who have been on so if that's something that you guys would like to uh like to see i may uh, try to throw something up on facebook about that and let us know because obviously we we want some participation i'm sure we could feel a long episode just talking but uh, we want some participation and questions and uh, john i think you even thought that might be a good thing
1: yeah, I think so. You know, there's so many of these uh, these podcasts, and I think it's great to hear what people's stories are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I, I think there's so many people that do that, um, and it's super. It gives everybody a chance to to talk about where we were to where we are now. Mm-hmm. And dogs, um, I, I'm, and I'm I'm a big one that likes I like to talk about the old dogs, but there are a lot of people that are wanting to ask questions, Yeah, you know, um, and they don't feel comfortable asking them uh, in a public spot, like on, like on Facebook where, where everybody can get on there and, and, and give their responses. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think for somebody to be able to, to send a question in and say, Hey, what, what about this? And a a group of people, a group of people say, here's what, here's what my thoughts are. Mm Um, you know, because the way that I do it may not be the way somebody else does it, Absolutely, but it will give somebody an idea of, of how to move forward. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got a, there's a, the last litter of pups out of Boone. There's a, a young man in, in Mississippi that's got one, uh, Dalton Mears. The pup is not quite five months old and the dog is, I think he's treated four or five squirrels on his own. He's killed a few squirrels too. Mm-hmm. Really a nice pup. Yeah. Uh, but he 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 and I conversed back and forth on the phone quite often about next steps what to do what not to do yeah you know uh and i and I think it's great to be able to to assist in that you know yeah. and help somebody out oh yeah uh, and like I've said so many times, most of these guys are very very helpful and approachable mm-hmm. you know yeah. um you know i i think years ago people probably had the the idea that, that nobody wanted to help because uh, you know I don't want to teach nobody nothing because because you might beat me if I show you. Yeah, it's not it's not like that. You know, you've got a chance to interview some very very good dog men mm-hmm. on this podcast, and I think you've probably seen and a lot of listeners have seen that most of these guys are trying to help you any way they can. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the nothing that that anybody does is this huge secret, and yeah. we all had to have somebody show us that. Exactly. You know, there was there was there was nobody give us a playbook and said here, this mm-hmm. will work from this will work from now till fifty years from now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what works
0: what works for me may not work for you and vice versa. So
1: Exactly. You know, and in in parts of the country changes things. You know, mm-hmm. what I can get to work here, um you know, in in my part of Missouri timber's short. Um, you know, I'm I'm starting to hunt the last week of May. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean we killed probably 75% of our squirrels with, with the leaves in full foliage. Wow. Uh, and we do, we've do we done that for years. Well, that's one of the few places in the country that allows for hunting like that. Yeah. You know, where you can successfully kill squirrels to a young dog. Mm-hmm. So that's, that, that gives a, a distinct advantage to a young dog that's ready to start at that point. Yeah. You know, if you're somewhere where the timber's 100 foot tall, uh, and you couldn't find a squirrel up in ten days. You don't need to take your young dog and let him make ten trees and not ever get to kill nothing to him. Mm-hmm. So that that makes a lot of difference too, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, but, yeah. But I do think any way that anybody can can call and get some information. Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's great yeah Yeah.
0: and there's a chance that if you're listening if if we do if we get to do this live and get it together that you know it's important that you watch uh because you know even if you didn't want to ask a question there's a pretty good chance that somebody's going to ask the question anyway you know you're going to get a lot of good knowledge and information from this and and we've 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 touched on it all night long and i want to say it again the competition world and the meat and pleasure hunting world are not that far apart you know, these, oh no. these dogs no. are not two different animals. They, there are differences, but you know, they're all, we're all after the same thing. And that's hopefully game in the tree at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. When you, when you think they're real far apart, throw them pedigrees open and look and see just how far apart they are. Exactly. the same thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you, you know, if you're looking for that pleasure dog, I, I still want to see those same dogs on my paperwork as, as you do on yours.
1: Yes, well, you know, and I think the thing is, um, you know, you might drive a Ford, I drive a Chevrolet. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of this whole thing. Yeah, you know, I mean that you might like something different than I like. Exactly. Uh, but that doesn't put us on opposing ends of, of, w- of what we're trying to do. Not you know?
0: at all. No, no, uh, no,
1: no. Yeah, you know, and I think as far as as helping is helping people, there's. I'm sure that there are some. Some great feist breeders out there. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, like I say, I think that when you look at them as a group, you look at some of the feist now that they've got that are hunting in these open divisions.
2: Oh, it's man. unbelievable. Yeah,
1: it's unbelievable. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I think they've gotten so much better. The mountain curs have gotten so much better. The tree encurs. Mm-hmm. Everything's gotten to a point where, it, like I say, these are the these are the good old days of dog. Of, of dog breeding in my opinion
0: yeah, right now yeah great uh, time to get into you know, the sport
1: I, great time great it time is. no no better time oh, no better time so. uh and and way more and way more good old boys than there are and there are people that uh you know that won't help that's yeah. for sure yeah uh, don't let that don't let
0: don't let that keep you from getting into the sport at all because it's not it's not that way even around here you know i run into deer hunters all the time but Gosh, I can't tell you how many, I mean, I'm, I'm 44 and I've, like I said, I've run tree dogs since I was 10 or 11 years old. I've never had a bad, uh, alter. I've never had a bad experience talking to another hunter. Mm-hmm. I had, cause they're yeah, all, no, you know, uh-huh. are you going to be hunting here? Or even if we run yes. into each other, it's, it's yeah. not, it's not a bad, yeah. we're all sportsmen. So it's, I've never, I yes. mean, yeah. I know, I know that's not the case with everybody, but I'm just saying for me, I, oh, I've no. never had a bad, no. you know, you know, you know,
1: you know, and. And, and I think you and I talked briefly there the other day. I've had several dogs shot and killed, um, yes. you know, hunting. Uh, had several things, and we can talk about that on another on another episode. But, you know, even through all that, I've not let it change the, the way that I do things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. You know, I try to get along with everybody that I meet in the woods because I hunt public ground 100% of the time. Yeah. Very rarely do my dogs ever get cut on, on private ground because it's not like that here. Yeah. It's just national forest ground for miles and miles. Yeah. So you're out there competing with everybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I try not to turn in on nobody. Now, naturally, the kind of dogs I got, they get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. but I try not to turn in on somebody. I, I want to... to tr- to try to keep, uh, try to keep any of that down any any way that I can, you know, mm-hmm. to to avoid any issues. You know that guy's out there; he saved up his vacation to be out there to mm-hmm. to be deer hunting, just same as I saved mine up to be out there. School.
0: Oh, exactly. Uh, I agree, hundred you know, percent.
1: Yep. Try yeah. to move in there and catch my dogs and get out. You know. Uh, I
0: hear you. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. John, I have kept you on here a long time, and guys, if you have held on this long, we appreciate it. <laughs> but oh absolutely oh man absolutely but john has put out a a ton of information i believe we've covered the gamut and uh john i'm going to go ahead and end it but if you don't care hang on and we'll talk right after absolutely. this absolutely but guys like thank I said, you so much yes if you've held on this long thank you so much and be sure to let us know what you think about this uh this live we're going to do that's important i want to try my best to get that to get the wheels in motion and get that out there but if you have any questions John, I'm sure they can hit you up on Facebook, right?
1: Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah. hit me, hit me up on Facebook. Um, give shoot me a message uh, if it's if it's something that you that you want to talk about. Shoot me a message in your in your cell phone number. I'll give you a call. Great. Uh, I'll
0: Great. help
1: anybody. I'll help anybody I can.
0: Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Treat Up. Thanks for listening. Please take time to follow me on Facebook and Instagram and tune in next week for another show with Treat Up Podcast.